As the world watches and listens in horror, the peaceful pro-democracy demonstration in China comes to a violent and bloody end. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Wall Street and biotechnology companies have been very excited about this idea. And what essentially it is, is trying to hack the cells in the body in order to make them into drug factories. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Thursday, September 22nd, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Today's show took an interesting direction for me. I was researching a few things over the last, I don't know, this as this, you've seen this topic and us discuss this specifically, that video many of you have already seen. Many of you have already discussed this because it came out I don't know, a month or so ago, and we discussed it then. And it's really an alarming time then, even more so alarming now with what's happening. The, mo- the most recent ev- additions to the narrative and agenda, the bioeconomy, and something else that we're going to talk about in the beginning today. Now, my point is today specifically, this has been kind of a, a multi-week, multi-day kind of side investigation. Something was put in front of me that really, it was interesting to see how it's been developed. And I argue that even this article, that I'm going to use to make this first point about how this is happening, because it very clearly is happening. We all can see that. I mean, at this point, it's been admitted to. We're talking bots and psychological operations from the good guys and the bad guys, but the good guys do the good way, right? However they frame it is childish and ridiculous. But the point is that this article we're going to show you is going to make it clear that it is happening. But I even argue that the article itself is part of the next arm of the psychological operation. And it's, it's not as convoluted as it may sound, especially as you see if we go through this today. But I argue it's at the stage where they're trying to show you why their failed efforts in psychological operations were only good attempts with good intentions, but still failed. And here's why we're going to do it better. Better for you, of course. And here's the solution to the problem they present. Even That's because we're well past the understanding that these things exist. At a time when we were still questioning whether we're there, you, they wouldn't even have that conversation. Now, since they're past this old part of it, getting into the new part of it, they're going to destroy the old part and explain why it needs to still be there, but in a good new way. This is how this always works. We're watching it happen right now with the bioeconomy or with the energy crisis or the food crisis or any of the things that are happening today. So we're going to start off with that. But it opened up into this really interesting part that I think overlaps with everything else we're talking about. I actually believe, I don't even think I need to sell this very hard, that every single thing we're dealing with today, every single thing is in many ways, if not entirely, altered, manipulated, at the very least, even if you want to pretend they're doing it for good reasons, driving in their perception 
whether based in reality or not, because it's what they want to accomplish. And that means, in many cases, completely manufactured realities. And this is what I want us to understand, especially from an American standpoint. It doesn't have to mean it's the only, or if, if maybe even your opinion, and possibly correctly, not even the largest. But in the United States, as an American, we are overwhelmed with this. Absolutely every day and everything you do, you are being manipulated, driven into certain ways. And again, you could argue it's because they're trying to do the right thing or fight the bad guys. But then even if you believe that, stand back and ask yourself if you still think that's okay. And even then ask yourself if you can imagine a time when it could be misused. You know, maybe when the other side takes control. We have to see how these are all manipulations in and of themselves. But we're also going to get into the COVID-19 bivalent discussion, a really important one that I want to, I guess for this, well, no, I guess I haven't really dove into the emergency use authorization as it pertains to the bivalent, but it's the same point. And I'm going to get into to why it's still illegal in the truest sense of the word for them to even be emergency authorizing any new injection in this field or or even just alternatives like their Paxlovid they claim is approved and ready to go. But on top of that, that there's still the same problems, the same myocarditis risk, the same because it's still based on the same spike protein uh, technology, but even still has the original spike protein. But the point is that it's the spike protein they're using for the BA5-4. It's just as dangerous. And this is the same point. So all of this is still happening as they rush into the next thing. And we're going to show you how all this is still there. And on top of the fact that if you dig into the research, it still shows you they don't know if it's safe for pregnant women. They don't know if it's safe to go alongside other vaccines. And guess what they're doing right now? If you're pregnant, go get the new booster even though it's not a booster, even the White House was forced to pull back on that, yet they're all still calling it a booster. Isn't that interesting? Or go get your flu shot right alongside it. Guess what? There's a package deal at Walgreens right now. Get them both for a discount. Guess what? They don't know if that's safe. And the truth is they know it's not safe, and they being the people behind the research and the Pfizer's and the Moderna's because we're showing that with their own data. But go get a discount at Walgreens right now. No big deal. Now we're going to go through a couple of things today, but I'm going to start off with this discussion. A great article that Robert, uh, excuse me, that Derek just put up this morning that I really do think is powerful. And it's exactly the same topic we were looking over. And I'm really glad that Derek went over this because, you know, we're, we're in the same ballpark of our perception about where this is going, but he's got his own unique view on where this all goes for those in the podcast in regard to the bioeconomy, the bio manufacturing, biological systems, biomass, the whole biomanufacturing, bioeconomy that I believe you are the commodity for. Or you are the you are the commodity in the bioeconomy, the per, the people, your DNA, your genetic material, in part. That's an absolute, by the way. I tend to believe it's going to be focused on that, where it might not be. Maybe it's focused on other things, but the point is that's part of it for sure. Now he focuses on an interesting part about this in regard to how this is an obvious transition into technocracy, but where the money is coming from and who's involved with it, and then also what I love about Derek's work is also points out that you know what the truth is. If this was done with good intentions and good people using it, it could be used in positive ways. That does not mean that it should be forced. That does not mean that it might not outweigh with the negative. But the point is we have to see that, and that's what they're trying to force in and trick people with. But I'm resistant to this no matter what because of how this can be abused. But it's an interesting perception, and there's a couple points I want to make to start off the discussion. This leads into the psychological warfare part of this, which we're going to get into first today. And I want to show you this about the mRNA platform discussion. Now, consider this throughout the entire show today about how we are influenced to think certain things that benefit the agenda, even if they contrast your best interest, even if they're completely manufactured and false. The whole show. 
to start off in this case talking about where this has all come from in regard to the bioeconomy, in regard to the, the current Moderna, Pfizer, mRNA platforms. Right. We just discussed how this was something that I think spies Switzerland was pointing out was basically always the plan and how these things could be very clearly abused. And no one talks about that today or the fact that they've been outlining this for a long time. So why is it only being presented as something new? Why aren't we asking whether or not there's a plan to simultaneously use this all together and whether we've been conditioned to accept that today, whether or not there might be alternatives like, I don't know, the classic technology. Now, I'm adverse to pretty much everything coming from anybody in these positions today, whether classic vaccine technology or not. But shouldn't we ask whether that might have been, quote, better compared to how dangerous this was and whether they just chose to go with this direction because that was the preset, pre-planned technological bioeconomy direction? We have to see how all of this ties in together, like not even under the surface, right on top. The title of his article, the Biden administration embraces technocracy with promise of $2 billion in funding for the bioeconomy. Now, there's a lot of good stuff in here, as always. Please read this. But I want to get into the specific parts because it overlaps with another article Derek wrote a year ago. Again, so far ahead of this story. As this is talking about specifically ARPA-H, which, uh, yeah, I have it right down here. Or to make sure I'm not missing the part that references Whitney's uh, article in this. I'm pretty sure I highlighted that. Hold on. Okay, just making sure I didn't miss it because it's important. Her article is a huge part of this. So the ARPA-H, which we've discussed, and actually Whitney and I talked about this on a podcast. This was Trump's daughter who originally proposed HARPA, same exact thing. And then because Biden wants to distance themselves politically from anything that might even be perceived as something Trump touched, they change it to ARPA-H just to pretend like you're a kindergartner that can't put that together. But ARPA-H or HARPA, which is uh, the... Whereas right here, the what's basically the, the DARPA project agency version of health. I forget. I'm trying to remember what it stands for exactly. I believe it is uh, Advanced Research Projects Agency for Health versus the Health Advanced Research. Projects, you know, exactly the same thing. As it says, Nature Notes, quote, this was launched in March with a $1 billion budget. This is we're talking about HARPA, H, or ARPA H, which ARPA H aims to shake up the controversial model of funding biomedical research. So this has been going, going, right? I mean, this is, as it says here, uh, in general, the groups involved with this helped Moderna develop the first mRNA vaccine technology in 2013, DARPA specifically. So if this has always been a very clear focused direction, why is it now being presented as some new decided direction as the bioeconomy? My point simply is that this has always been a plan and they just tell you about it as if it's a new thing because they want to get you excited about it when they're ready to get you excited about it, even if it's not worth getting excited about in the sense of how it's going to help you more so them in control of your life. But it says conventional model of funding biomedical research says they deemed the conventional model. Now, again, this is the conventional model is the stuff we've seen happen with Wuhan gain of function research. Oh, excuse me, Fauci, EPPP research. Same thing. That's the conventional model, what they've been doing in the past, or rather the overlap, to be quite honest. But what they're saying is that old clumsy model was deemed too slow and conservative in its scope and approach by some critics by funding high risk, high reward research in the life sciences. That's a solution. So ARPA-H's solution to slow and conservative, or rather to funding biomedical research in the conventional model is to do high risk, high reward fast research to go faster and less conservative. How do those two things even make sense together? Two concepts. It's the same joke I keep making. 
we're going to do dangerous things for your safety, right? Because they argue the research is so important in a broad and undefined way that we have to rush through the dangerous stuff to get it done quickly for the potential that that could help you in other ways. It's all undefined, but it breaks down to doing something not slow, not conservative, even though it's high risk. Think about how crazy that is. That's what they're, that is the direction of the entire government of Biden's administration right now. I'd argue it doesn't matter who or what side's in power. It's the direction of the government. The idea that research, which has been deemed high risk, Derek writes, is moving too slow and conservative, you know, might cause fear in the average reader, especially after the last two years of trying to get to the bottom of gain-of-function research. Following the proposal of ARPA-H, this is back when it was proposed, Whitney wrote about warning of the creation and what that would truly mean in contrast to what they were saying. And you'll remember this from both the podcast and the discussion of the article in a previous daily wrap-up. If ARPA-H, HARPA, is approved by Congress, which it was, and ultimately established, which it is, it will be used to resurrect dangerous and long-standing agendas of the national security state and its Silicon Valley contractors, creating a digital dictatorship. Starting to sound familiar? This was planned a long time ago. That threatens human freedom, human society, and potentially the very definition of what it means to be human. Just want to quickly again point out, and this is just kind of not meant to pat anybody. Well, I, you know, absolutely pat Whitney and Derek on the back, but just not to make it seem like we're patting T-Love on the back. This is about showing you the value in supporting this platform as the last American vagabond or independently anybody in it. This is how far ahead we have consistently been on most of these narratives. Just take time to dig through these and realize, and I'm going to make that point again today throughout other topics, that you can look back a year ago when we were screaming about things that are only just now bubbling through in a lot of ways. I think I just want people to realize why it's so important to, to support the independent media. Now, it says Renee Wei, uh, Wegris, uh, let's see, Risen, Wegrison. I'm going to go ahead and guess. <laughs> Renee Wegrison is also currently a vice president of business development at Ginkgo Bioworks. Now, she is involved with the DARPA H project. She's going to be the leader of it, as I understand it. A rising star in the biotechnology field, describing themselves in Ginkgo Bioworks as the organism company. That sounds fun and, and, and new, right? As VP, she is currently focused on, quote, applying synthetic biology to outpace infectious disease, including COVID-19, through biomanufacturing, vaccine and diagnostic slash biosurveillance innovation. Interesting. It's all, this is just flooding in this direction. Now, Ginkgo has not yet announced when she will step down as the argue when you're stepping into a government position that's supposed to happen. My, I would argue whether it even will in this weird new day and age where nothing means anything unless they tell you it does. But here's the point in regard to his previous work. In July 2021, Derek reported on Ginkgo Bioworks. That's this article right here. Who is Ginkgo Bioworks and how do they fit into the biosecurity transhumanist agenda? January, July 24th, 2021. Well, yet again. Exactly what he theorizes throughout this discussion, Bill Gates and World Economic Forum, is exactly where we are today. He asked how they fit into the biosecurity transhumanist agenda. One year later, with the appointment of Rene Wegrison to the head of ARPA-H, it has now become clear how central this exact company is and their alumni will be to advancing this agenda. Following the White House's announcements on the bioeconomy, Jason Kelly CEO of Ginkgo Bioworks clearly outlined the role and job of his company in this dynamic. He says, quote, today, Ginkgo is the largest designer of synthetic DNA in the world. What does that mean? It means you go on a computer, you type ATCGGG, you hit print, and a piece of DNA gets printed out of our labs in Boston or partner companies like Twist in California. 
we then take that DNA, apparently, and we do we put it into the genome of a cell, like installing an app on your phone. And it makes the cell do something new. Let's take a quick dance back in our memory to yesterday or the day before when we talked about Biden's executive order talking about programming cells and biology. He mentions this in the article. That's one of the most important parts, but there's many others in that executive order that, you know, as we talked about, are equally concerning. I'm going to bring up that uh, discussion we just had, or rather both of them, really. I'll grab it in a second, of, of this executive order. But he says it makes it do something new. That's our business. We do that as a service for customers. It's hard to even imagine what that means. So you come in with a cell and you say, I want it to do this. And they do that. Like, how does that even translate into a market? Who's doing that? I don't, let's put out, pretend like Joe at the corner shop over here is programming cells on his free time. I can also realize what this really pertains to. This is high level stuff with people with lots of funding that are doing things that most people don't even think is, think are happening right now that most people would be pretty un, would be pretty uncomfortable with to make it, to put it simply. Here are the last couple of shows I'll include. Oh, yeah, I keep doing this. Then I add tabs, and then I lose things at the end. Oh, well. <laughs> These three I'll include. Let me stretch this out just a touch. There we go. Anyway, back to the article. He says, well, it says Ginkgo Bioworks was founded in 2009. So just realizing how far back this goes by a group of MIT scientists focused on engineering biology. For a variety of purposes. Officially, Ginkgo Bioworks, quote, designs, engineers, develops, tests, and licenses organisms. That's pretty concerning. The company refers to their work as biology by design. Sounding to sound familiar? Stating that they program cells to make everything from food to materials to therapeutics. When Ginkgo Bioworks announced their public valuation and investments, the list of investors included Cascade Investment. You may remember them as an investment company controlled by Bill Gates. The firm recently made headlines, as you may remember as well, when it reported that Gates was using shell companies owned by Cascade, arguably to not be seen, it's the only reason one would do that, to become the largest farmland owner in the United States, you know, while they're literally reimagining the discussion of food and, I mean, everything, biologically grown. I mean, this is the same entity that utterly failed in the interest of, of talking about GMOs around the world. In, in fact, making sp places like India more food scarce than they ever were before. And I think I have something included for that. We'll see in a minute. But that, these are the same people now playing God again, even though they failed numerous times in exactly the way they want to do it to you now. In fact, already are, especially if you're already involved in this experiment called the injections. Ginkgo Biowork is also listed as the partner, as a partner with the World Economic Forum, the organization behind the Great Reset Agenda. Now, it makes a point in the article to say just because somebody's associated with them does not therefore make them guilty, but it's simply something that we should ask and say, does that cause a problem? Or they should, it should at the very least add suspicion. You should be allowed to ask the question, does that cause a problem? And, and, and looking into their background and what they do and what they might be. I mean, these are valid questions to ask, especially with what we really know is happening here. Ginkgo Bioworks says their goal is to build a platform. Here's the main point today, which enables its customers to program cells as easily as we can program computers. 2009, huh? The company's platform is playing a key role in expanding so-called biotechnology applications in the areas of food, agriculture, chemicals, and pharmaceuticals. Isn't that interesting how those are all the exact things right now that are being focused on, that are being manipulated? 
It is indisputable that these types of technology, which allow companies and perhaps individuals to, quote, print cells and DNA, are all but inevitable at this point. It's also indisputable that these technologies do have the potential to do some good. And that has to be taken. I mean, think about it. It's the same idea as talking about the word sustainable from a manipulative standpoint, and then all of a sudden pretending sustainable is a bad thing. Now, I'm not saying that I in any way, shape or form even think this stuff should be done. In fact, the opposite. But what I am saying is that you have to be able to acknowledge that if, if done with altruistic intentions, there could be something that could be used to benefit your life. My big question would be, does that even if true outweigh all of the possible bad? I argue no, 100 percent. I don't think this direction is even in the interest of the human species. That's my opinion, because all of it, do, all of it ends up leading in a way that literally undermines. And in fact, my opinion, removes your, your humanity. That's just that's a simple reality. So how is it making humanity better if it's, in fact, removing the things that make you human? That's a question, I think, from a from an internal kind of ideological standpoint that we all need to start asking ourselves. But it says the Biden administration promised two billion dollars in funding to biomanufacturing. So here we go. Off and running. Question is, can we even stop what's happening? And I believe we can. So as you can see, we oh, I included these ones again. These are the last shows we just discussed this on in regard to the bioeconomy, in case you wanted to check them out. Here, weirdly enough, not weirdly enough, completely expected on the Wayback Machine, because if you go to this article now, it's no longer there, you'll find the Moderna outline of their plug-and-play platform. And I'll read it to you right here. But just so you can see it first before we get started, here's what happens. Oh, redirects. Weird. And guess what? You don't find any of the real discussion of what we're going to show you next. Isn't that interesting? Why don't they talk about the plug-and-play platform anymore? Why don't they talk about the the like a computer system analogy. Isn't that interesting? It's almost like they realized that was a little bit too on the nose and pulled it back. Well, here's what it says. This is the Moderna website before people started pointing at this. This is April 7th, 2020. We built Moderna on the guiding premise that if using mRNA as a medicine works for one disease, well, it should work for many. That's quite the assumption. Down here, it says our operating system. This is exactly the point. This is how they are using this analogy, and it's exactly the way that they're using it right over here in this discussion for Kinko Bioworks. It says, recognizing the broad potential of mRNA science, we set out to create an mRNA technology platform that functions very much like an operating system on a computer. Isn't that interesting? It is designed so that it can plug and play interchangeably with different programs. Enter your bivalent experiment. In our case, the, quote, program or app is our mRNA drug, the unique mRNA sequence that codes for a protein. So what does that make your body? This is not even secret. This was publicly displayed until 2021, until they just deleted it and posted something else. This is concerning, guys, because this is exactly, look, mRNA software, applications. This is your body becomes the experiment here. And this is applying this kind of manipulative platform direction to everybody's health, if that's even if that even makes sense. Well, my main point is that this has been going this direction and why they need to hide that from you. Same thing they hide like this. This is the other page that's no longer there, which I've shown many times. You'll see it redirect the same thing. Oh, how about us? Well, weird about on the about us page, what you don't see in here is the actual timeline which is this. Yet again, I've shown this many times. First of all, this video, which I'm going to look at next, is a video they posted literally on their own site or account on YouTube. 
that talks about mRNA, one, two, seven, three, their, their injection. Moderna's potential vaccine. Guess what? It has since been removed for violating YouTube's terms of service. Really? I showed you this before, by the way, but how, how weird and telling is that? We'll get into that in a second. January 11th, Chinese authorities shared the genetic sequence. I just talked about this with Denny Rancor. The, what they're showing you there is that they released the genetic sequence from a computer screen on January 11th. By January 13th, they had already finalized the sequence. You know what didn't happen between January 11th and January 13th? Isolation, if it ever did, by the way. I'm convinced that it didn't happen. Or they found something they don't want you to see, and they've never revealed what they did find. In any case, as we've shown many times, the Chinese CDC has admitted they did not isolate this at the time when that happened. And why has the data not been shared? No, they didn't isolate as a virus. That's the issue. Okay, so you could doubt that and you should question everything, but that's your corporate media, right? So the people that are on that side of it are, it's kind of hard for them to pretend that's not what's happening. So they're telling you we didn't isolate it. Okay, so how in the world can you pretend like isolation even means anything to these people when between January 11th and January 13th without isolation, just simply sending the genetic code from a computer screen, they already had a sequence that's called mRNA1273 that still to this day is what's being used. The first clinical batch was completed on February 7th. Still hadn't been isolated. Still using genetic sequence code from a Chinese computer screen. That's Trump's vaccine, by the way. Can compute that with the whole China bad guy discussion. But anyway, the point is, based on the technology we're talking about, based on the executive, the, the bioeconomy direction, they don't need, or rather specifically based on the platform discussion, which is a part of what they're doing, they quite literally don't need to isolate this. It didn't even matter if it was even there. They could have manufactured this from whole cloth. In fact, some people believe that's what happened. Or called flu, pneumonia, whatever else. The point is, if they did this before it was isolated, then why do they even defend, pretend like isolating it or that if it's even there, matters for the direction of their platform mRNA bioeconomy direction? Now, I've made this point before. The point is to show you how these things are pushed out, deleted, covered up, and then repackaged and sold to you as a narrative. That's the point of the psychological operations that are absolutely happening around this topic right now. That's why they're desperate to try to go back and hide these things from you. Or they, I guess, argue they deleted their video because how, how exactly Moderna's own video violated the terms about their own science. I mean, let's see if this plays, by the way. It was playing earlier, but sometimes these are glitchy. This is the Wayback Machine of that video. Here we go. It all started with isolation of the virus from an infected patient in China. Nope. Fake news. Maybe that's why they did that, right? Because that's proven to be false. Now, they argue that it was isolated eventually, even though Danny Rancourt and plenty of others have acknowledged that it wasn't even by definition purified or isolated. That they use a, sw a swirling of liquid that's got lots of things in it and just say that within that they can see it. By definition, that's not isolated. That may, you can argue that means that still means they saw something and it's there, but I disagree based on the Koch's postulates and plenty of other gold standard discussions, but that's a whole cab, the whole discussion to get into. The point is when they had this video and when this was done, China has admitted since then that it was not isolated when they sent that genetic sequence, period. You can't argue this. That's a fact. So here we are lying. Why would Moderna lie about that if they knew that they didn't have, or maybe they just pretended or took China's word for it? Any of those possibilities are alarming to me. The coronavirus was sequenced and its genetic information was uploaded to a public database. Working together, scientists at the NIH and Moderna identified the sequence for a key protein on the surface of the virus called the spike protein. 
Exactly. The spike protein they had already identified and already been working with before this ever happened, though. Right. So we have to ask whether that's even the same thing or the right thing. Or There's so many questions to have with how dishonest we've seen them be so far. As a good vaccine candidate, the instructions for making the spike protein were then encoded into an instruction molecule called mRNA, which could be administered directly to patients as a vaccine. Okay. So at this stage, when you know as a fact that this was simply code, maybe just made up from China. I mean, who knows, right? If they don't, if they admit it wasn't isolated, where'd it come from? How'd they get it? Was it a psychological operation of itself? Was this kind of a sabotage operation? I mean, who ultimately knows? Those are valid questions with what we know and can prove. So they're already injecting this with the, with the instructions for something. I mean, we need to be able to stand back and look around at what's happening and see that maybe that might be exactly what's happening. Or maybe there's a larger coordinated plan amongst the real string pullers that are carrying this out from a global scale. That's really what I think is ultimately happening. But regardless, this is why these things are no longer there because their entire platform, I mean, I shouldn't use that term to be confusing, their entire standing and discussion, the pillars of their main discussion from the beginning have all fallen apart. Every single part of it, from the Imperial College of London, from the actual risk, from the mass working, from the injections, from everything, guys. And yet here we are, stepping from stone to stone as they're actually sinking into the ground. I mean, this is pathetic. But let's keep going. The vaccine is injected just like other vaccines. The mRNA is taken to immune cells where it instructs cells to make copies of the spike protein as if the cells had been infected by the coronavirus. Other immune cells shown here as red and orange figures are then able to learn about the spike protein and develop ways to protect the person if they ever come into contact with the actual coronavirus. What makes this approach different is that you don't need to make the virus itself to make a vaccine, a time-consuming and intensive process. Right, which kind of lets that cat out of the bag. They didn't need anything other than computer instructions. So ask yourself how that makes sense in a world where they could be lied to, where they could be wrong, and maybe being wrong could end up doing what we're watching today. And maybe when they're wrong and they commit mass murder by accident, that's not what I believe happened, but just for the sake of conversation, maybe you watch a massive cover-up take, take place. These are just valid questions we should be asking. It could be as simple as that. I don't believe so, especially with all the other factors, but these are things you're not allowed to talk about. Instead... You use the information from the virus and administer the information directly to the patient. Essentially, the patient makes their own vaccine. This cuts out the middleman. Using this approach, NIH and Moderna were able to go from sequence to a vaccine ready for human testing in record time. And that is why I believe they censored this. They don't want you realizing they technically didn't actually do the thing. They're, they're literally pretending that they know that China isolated this, even after China admitted they hadn't when this happened. And they just don't want you connecting those two dots. Now, you, there's lots to theorize around the peripheral of that conversation, but they for sure did not have an isolated discussion or isolated anything. They had genetic sequence code, made it, and they're still using that to this day. Maybe that's going to be the scapegoat at the end to say China tricked them. I mean, who ultimately knows? But this is the beginnings, at least in the biosecurity part of this, of a psychological operation. Oh, that's right. Well, that's incredibly frustrating, by the way. Well, anyway, I uh, forgot before I was going to get back into this that something glitched out on me and I lost all the highlighting of this document. 
Well, let's just go through it so I don't derail the show. So anyway, this is an important conversation. I'm going to try to go through this as best I can. It's not incredibly long. But this is an interesting discussion about how this is being admitted to. September 19th, Pentagon opens sweeping review of clandestine psychological operations. Now, the main thing to ask yourself here is why would this happen? Why would Facebook and Twitter speak up about concerns about what this is? I mean, why, that doesn't even make sense to me with the way we at least think this is operating. Well, they're controlled, they're manipulated. Well, there's two ways to look at it as we go through this. One, obviously, there's, there's, there's plenty of examples of people that work in these institutions or these companies or any place that aren't completely bought in. They, you know, It's not all-encompassing. There are people in the middle, middle areas that get glimpses of things sometimes that then make things happen or become a whistleblower or convince people above them that things, there's, there's a, a process to this. And it's not always as airtight or as insurmountable as people tend to think. A lot of these people, even in high-level positions, are not as as all can, uh, omnipotent as we tend to make them appear. Some of them are pretty clumsy, in fact. But you could argue that it's possible this could have just been an organic thing. But I argue that there's more to it than that. I argue that, one, they're admitting that this is happening. We know that already, but that's the first point to absorb, that the Pentagon or rather the U.S. government, is actively using psychological operations to completely and dishonestly influence how you perceive world events, including domestically. But why are they admitting that now? That's the second part. I argue if, 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 whether, if, this, if, if it's not just organic and these people aren't just calling it out, I, just, I, don't, I find that really hard to believe, it's because they want to justify, as they even do in this article, why they need to keep doing it but we're so honest that we're exposing why we ruined, we, we screwed it up. We're doing bad things. We didn't mean to. We did bad things for good reasons. You know, sort of like drone bombing entire countries and murdering lots of children and going, oops, we tried to kill bad guys, so it's okay, right? No, no, it's not okay because actually you didn't act. It wasn't even intent. I don't want to get off on a tangent. <laughs> I, well, I actually, I'll bring that back to a point in a moment where I get into foreign policy for a second. The point is that this is about them justifying the new direction by pointing out what they argue is a failure from before, which I don't even think was a failure. I think it was just, they don't care. But then that justifies the new direction of continuing to psychologically operate and manipulate you. Now it says the Pentagon's ordered a sweeping audit of how it conducts clandestine information warfare after major social media companies identified and took offline fake accounts suspected of being run by the U.S. military. Now, what's funny is even the way they write suspected, it's not suspected. Even the article goes through and acknowledges that they 100% did and have them and have been deleted. So it's very telling that they can't even be honest enough to say fake accounts that were run by the U.S. government in the, because they, are, they know that most people won't actually read the entire article article that's my take on it but why would you write suspected if within the article you go on to make it clear that they 100 were u.s military i mean that's pretty stupid isn't it that's why people are not even remotely journalists anymore in my opinion but it says the undersecretary of defense for policy last week instructed the military commands that in engage in these psychological operations to provide full accounting of their activity of course because you know that's going to be absolutely detailed right there's no accountability in any of this, guys. That's the whole point and what you're seeing here. The takedowns in recent years, Twitter, Facebook, claim they removed more than 150 bogus personas and media sites created in the United States. 
But it says that, and this, of course, these groups, Graphica and Stanford Internet Observatory, while the researchers did not attribute the sham accounts to the U.S. military in their perception, two officials familiar with the matter said that the U.S. Central Command is among those whose activities are facing scrutiny. Like others interviewed for the report, they spoke on the condition of anonymity. So the military itself, or rather the government itself, is the very one pointing at this and saying, yes, it's happening and it's a problem. So it's just very clumsy and transparent when you get the groups that are meant to investigate going, we can't tell for sure. Did you miss the part where the military goes, yeah, it's happening? I mean, it's it, this is a very self-serving framing of it all. The researchers did not specify when the takedowns occurred, but those familiar with the matter said they were within the past two or three years. Now, this is the interesting part. Some were recent, they said, and involved posts from the summer that advanced anti-Russian narratives, because, of course, Russia is going to promote their own anti-Russian narratives, right? Citing Kremlin's imperialist war in Ukraine, right? So this is not from, this is now, into uh, going back as far as you could possibly look the ukraine war russia in general taiwan north korea COVID 19 across the board they are actively trying to influence your opinions warning the conflict's direct impact on central asian countries significantly they found that the pretend personas employed tactics used by countries this, this is the funny way let me read this in its entirety significantly they found that the pretend personas employing tactics used by countries like Russia and China did not gain much traction and that overt accounts actually attracted more followers. So there's two things. First of all, they're talking about the fake personas, which they will go on to make clear were U.S. government, but only say employing tactics used by countries like Russia and China. So they're doing them. So wouldn't it be tactics used by Russia, U.S. and China? No, no, no. The U it's just the U.S. occasionally using tactics that are only employed by Russia and China. You see the dishonest framing? I just think it's hilarious. But did not gain traction, which is funny because as they go through this, this is the part where they go, well, they just weren't good at it. They were clumsy. So when the U.S. government pretended to be bad to other people, everybody saw it was them and it didn't work. So we want to give them more power, more ability. Yes, I'm jumping ahead, but that is the point. They didn't do it right, but here's how we're going to do it better next time. Because we ultimately tried to do it for good reason. That's the Washington Post coming through strong with their propaganda effort. CENTCOM headquarters in Tampa has purview over military operations. A spokesman, of course, declined to comment, which is usually how this works. Now, Air Force Brigadier General Patrick Ryder, Pentagon Press Secretary, said in a statement that these military information operations, which is what they call them, or MISOC, in support our national security priorities and must be conducted in compliance with relevant laws and policies. Don't you love how it's relevant laws and policies? I know that's how they're supposed to frame it, but that kind of puts a caveat there. But the point is, that's never how this works, especially when it's clandestine operations. History shown us this, history of the last half year. I mean, this is exactly the point. The FBI, the CIA, the NSA, these people operate completely off the rails. We all know that. And what they're going to say is, well, they have to be in compliant. So that's them framing it as we're trying to make that the case and we're willing to admit our faults. Quote, we are committing, committed to enforcing those safeguards, except we haven't been this entire time. But now since you see it, now we're going to do it. Right. So if they're committed to enforcing those safeguards, why aren't they, I don't know, enforcing those safeguards now? <laughs> Oops. You know, it's just, it's just, oh, we'll do it now that you see it. So are they actually concerned about breaking rules or just because you can now see that they're breaking rules? It's, just, it's, all, it's a big show, guys. That's the point of that video, which I'll show you again in a minute. The world is a stage, according to them, according to the psychological operators. The spokesman for Facebook and Twitter also declined to comment, which is very ridiculous. According to the researcher's report, the accounts taken down included a made-up Persian language media site. 
I mean, think about how fairy telling that is. That shared content reposted from U.S.-funded Voice of America or Radio Free Europe. You know, because those are organic outlets that are all organic and fight for the truth, right? No. In my opinion, very clear propaganda outlets that are completely... Can, I think they're... Hin they, their entire success hinges on fake stuff like this, sort of like the corporate media in its entirety. That if they removed their fake controlled puppet version of what we're looking at, that these things wouldn't exist. You don't, you wouldn't need to be propped up by prop fake propaganda to make these things. I mean, that's the point. They're posting content on Voice of America, and then psychological operations are using that content to promote their narratives, like Persian language media sites. Right. So when you point at things when they go, Iranian media says that it's all a lie in Russia and they're killing people. Do you think it maybe comes from sites like that? Now, in no way am I suggesting the Iranian government's not capable of breaking the law or committing crimes against people. Of course they are. So too is Russia and China and the United States. The point is that this is an effort to make this up when it's not actually real. Why would they need to do that? Oh, yeah, I'm no highlighted. It says another was linked to a Twitter handle that in the past had claimed to operate on the behalf of CENTCOM. It says one fake account posted an inflammatory tweet claiming that relatives of deceased Afghan refugees had reported bodies being returned from Iran with missing organs. You see my point? They made this up. This is caught. Let's not pretend like Iran or Afghanistan would say these things about themselves. This is obvious psychological operations to frame Iran as harvesting organs. Now, my gut tells me that's because that's what they're doing. And they want to frame these wartime situations and other places. But it's there still. I, I don't see evidence of that happening. I do very clearly see evidence of the U.S. government doing this in wartime situations. I've done this. Or so, sort of same with Israeli's government. I've gone over this many times. Just because I don't see the evidence doesn't mean it's not happening. But this is a clear example of creating the narrative. The innocent Afghan refugees and the Iranian bad guys stealing their organs. The tweet linked to a video that was part of an article posted specifically on a U.S. military affiliated website. CENTCOM has not commented, of course, on whether these accounts were created by its personnel. The court, again, again, the point is, which again will make it even more clear, is that it very clearly was. If the organ harvesting tweet is shown to be CENTCOM's, one defense official said, it would be absolutely a violation of doctrine and training practices. Yeah, right. It's like the CIA saying we were trained to lie, cheat, and steal, as Pompeo said. But we'll pretend like that's not the case when we're called out on it. Independent of the report, the Washington Post has learned that in 2020, Facebook disabled fictitious personas created by CENTCOM to counter disinformation spread by China, suggesting the coronavirus responsible for COVID-19, they claim, was created at Fort Detrick. Well, isn't that interesting? So let's be clear about this. So this entire first part of the article was going, we don't know for sure, and equivocating about whether or not. And they're right here telling you, Washington Post. This outlet already knows that Facebook identified CENTCOM's fake news accounts. So why would you start off by going, we don't know for sure? How stupid is that? But the bottom line is, this is CENTCOM creating fake social media accounts to spread the idea that it was propaganda that it came from Fort Detrick. Well, you know why that's very telling to me? Because we just talked about this. Where was this? Shoot. Oh, I hope I didn't close that. Hold on, I'll bring it up again. Oh, wait, it's right here. How did that end up over there? <laughs> I got, losing my place. Major COVID report suggests virus could have leaked from U.S. lab. Well, wait a minute now. Hold on a second. That's the Telegraph, right? That's the Lancet they're referencing. So wait a minute. 
Is it possible that they were going out of their way to cover up something that might actually have been the truth? No, I'm not saying I know that for sure. It could be the very point of, sh- of now directing you towards this for some reason. My simple point is that this is an effort to falsely spin narratives or cover up things they don't want you thinking about at that time. This is ubiquitous, guys. Say Now, the whole lab part of this is so very telling. It's gone three different times now. You're not even allowed to talk about the possibility. Then, then it very clearly could have come from Wuhan. Now they're going, well, maybe it was Fort Detrick. Well, gee, who was saying all of those three possibilities in the beginning? Anybody honest? Going, maybe it was this. Maybe it was that. Maybe it was kind of from these kind of places. I, oh, I brought those up the other day. I have all these discussions going back to 2020 about the possibility of Fort Detrick. Not that I knew for sure. The pseudo profiles active in Facebook groups that conversed in Arabic, Farsi, Urdu, the official said, were used to amplify truthful information from the CDC about the virus's origin in China. You see how they're framing this? Well, how the hell do they know that? This is still being debated. The point is they're going out of their way to frame it as, well, yeah, they were being dishonest by pretending to be someone else, which they're not supposed to do, using Facebook accounts, which we're not supposed to do, but they did it for good reason. I mean, that is just, I mean, that doesn't, I don't think even their own people would feel like that. That's clumsy. That's like too quick. You don't even try. It's the same damn paragraph. Like, well, they were doing truthful information. That's not even accurate because we don't even know the full picture of the story. They're attacking the other side of the narrative, which argues from a, I guess, contrarian standpoint, that's the one I'm going to want to look into first. But it says the U.S. government's use of, of these different social media accounts, through, though authorized by law and policy, has stirred controversy inside the Biden administration. I'm sure they really care about this. The point is that they're talking about using these things in ways that are, in fact, violations of their own policy and law. The White House agencies, such as the State Department, said even some officials within the Department of Defense have been concerned. I think this is only because it's being called out or because they want you thinking about it. Our adversaries are absolutely operating in the information domain. And here's where you get into justifying, well, yeah, we're doing bad stuff, but they're doing badder stuff. That's everything I meant to speaking properly on purpose there they're doing far worse things with the same tactics so we need to do those this like they do this constantly where what they'll do is they'll come out and say we can't do this and we're not allowed to we're not going to do it anymore but you have somebody else come in and say we should keep doing it because they're doing it worse and that becomes the talking point right well we can't just allow them like this is the idea of saying that we have to trust the election results but then literally from a different article arguing they with a clandestine effort made sure that trump wouldn't win because we know that he's that bad therefore even though we are undermining democracy it's because we all agree that he's the bad guy so it's okay to do the things that we otherwise say are wrong like it's just childish that's not even logic that's just aiming in the direction of what you want to happen and just finding a justification for it There are some who think we shouldn't do anything clandestine in that space. Ceding an entire domain to an adversary would be unwise. But we need stronger policy guardrails. Ah, okay. So we're going to keep doing that, though. And they never stopped. But we just need stronger guardrails. You mean the guardrails that were already in place that they weren't even doing? And they said, well, we're just going to make sure, but we need stronger guardrails. Why would you need stronger guardrails if the ones that were there weren't even acknowledged until you got caught? Of course, the White House declined to comment. No big deal. Or the National Security Council declined to comment. They disclosed the review at the virtual meeting, saying he wants to know what types of operations have been carried out, who they're targeting, what tools are being used, and why military commanders have chosen those tactics and how effective they've been. I doubt we're going to hear anything about this. The message was essentially, you have to justify this. Pentagon policy and doctrine can discourage the military from peddling falsehoods. 
the, the stated doctrine, yes. But there are no specific rules mandating the use of truthful information. You see how they're playing this? So what are we talking about then? What's the issue here? That they got caught? If there's no rules about using truthful information, it's more of like a do the right thing because we know. I mean, this is, I argue the entire thing is being pushed to justify why they're going to continue doing it and nothing else. For instance, the military sometimes employs fiction and satire for persuasion purposes. You know, sort of like when they, when they admitted to you that they are doing fake news now, like never before because of Ukraine and Russia and stuff. Remember that? Where they really pushed that idea and they said, well, we're doing it a different way. I, th I think I still have it up here. Yep, right here. NBC News National Security Correspondent Ken Delaney and live in Washington. They're also suggesting that Ukraine has biological and chemical weapons in Ukraine. That's a clear sign he's considering using both of those. Talking about that was based on declassified intelligence, but we're also told the intelligence wasn't very clear about what exactly was going on. And they decided to, dis to disclose it as a way of deterring uh, Russia from doing that and putting the world on notice. We've never seen this level of information warfare before from the U.S. government. Another example was when they announced that Russia had gone to China uh, to ask for help with what, with getting some weapons. That hasn't come to pass yet. Yes, and it was one U.S. official telling you it doesn't even have to be solid intelligence when we talk about it. Right. Translation. We lied. We lied because we thought it would achieve our ends. Now, you may even agree with that, right? But that's the crazy part about it is that they're lying and they still don't even want to be honest about that. Like they are manipulating and blatantly making things up because they think it will achieve their end. But then when the other side does it, it's completely unjustified and dangerous and misinformation. I mean, you see how so they're allowed to misinform, apparently, as long as they do it for the right reasons. Starting to sound familiar? We're allowed to invade and destroy and conquer and take as long as we do it for freedom. It's always the same thing. It's always the same justification. But yeah, this, it says that they employ fiction and satire for persuasion purposes, but generally the message you're supposed to stick to the facts. That sounds like quite the guardrail. It says in 2020, officers at Facebook and Twitter, 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 contacted the Pentagon to raise concerns about the phony accounts. Right. The phony accounts that they acted like in the beginning weren't verified. Right. They're suspected of being rough. No, they're not. They know they've been caught. Facebook's even contacted them and said, we know and we're having to remove them. How embarrassing for the Washington Post and this writer. They're not They're They're dishonest, period. That summer, David, Facebook's director for global threat dis disruption, disruption spoke to the assistant director for special operations, which oversees these kind of psychological operations, warning him that if Facebook could sniff them out, so could the U.S. adversaries, right? Get better at it because we can see you. Think about how crazy that is. Now, let's see. Let's see. It says, uh, I think this was it for the most part. With the rise of Russia and China as strategic competitors, military commanders have wanted to fight back, including online justifying the, the and congress supported that frustrated with perceived they see this is everything they're doing frustrated with perceived legal obstacles right so the laws they just referenced we're going to follow is why they change oh we're frustrated by our legal barriers aren't the good guys allowed to break the rules bend the rules when we want no you guys are the problem that's the whole point you are the bad guys in the context of your childish paradigm to you know the binary good bad 
It says Congress in late 2019 passed a law affirming that the military could conduct operations in information environment to defend the United States and push back against these things they claim are happening. Now, I have no doubt they're happening, but we have to realize that often they pretend they don't even prove they are happening to justify the things they're doing. Section 1631 allows the military to carry out clandestine psychological operations without crossing what the CIA has claimed as a covert authority, alleviating some of the friction that's hindered operations previously. Combatant commanders got really excited, recalled the first defense official. They were very eager to utilize these new authorities. Mm, That sounds lovely. The defense contractors were equally eager to land lucrative classified contracts to enable clandestine influence operations. At the same time, the official said military leaders were not trained to oversee these operations. Cool. So we gave them operation op- ability to do clandestine influence operations when the military leaders weren't even trained to oversee whether or not they were following the, s- the supposed rules that were barely even outlined. It sure sounds like they care, didn't it? Last year, with new administration in place, Facebook tried again. This time took complaints to President Biden. Uh, Let's see. I think that's generally it right here. I think there was something at the end. Let me make sure I didn't miss something. The review also found that while there were cases in which fictitious information was published by the military, again, the the review found for sure. I just can't make that point enough. How embarrassing. They were the result of inadequate oversight and personal training, not systemic problems. Right, so the many, 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 many times they are now being caught for doing this, you know, it wasn't a, a practice that they were doing. No, it was just a couple of different times where they didn't realize they were doing the wrong thing. Of course, we'll take that at face value. Take it on the chin, right? Pentagon leadership did not did did little with the review, of course, two officials said, before publishing the report, which elicited a fear of flurry of news reports. Right, so they didn't do anything when they found out they were breaking rules until the media pointed it out. Does it sound like they care about changing things at all, even remotely? The State Department and CIA have, per, have been perturbed by the military's use of clandestine tactics. Yeah, right. The CIA is frustrated with how clandestine the military is operating. That makes sense, right? An agency literally, the entire foundation is about clandestine operations. Officers of the state have admonished the Defense Department. Hey, don't amplify our policies using fake personas because we don't want to be seen as creating false grassroots efforts. Come on. Does anybody buy that that statement would even come from we lie, we cheat, we steal types like Pompeo? Their entire premise is about lying. You, I'll show you the video in a minute. They, the army put out that psychological operations video where they literally promote the idea of faking things for their agendas. But this, we're going to pretend the State Department and the CIA is like, hey, man, don't give us a bad name. <laughs> I mean, this is how childish they think we are. One diplomat put it this way. Generally speaking, we shouldn't be employing the same kind of tactics as the bad guys because the bottom line is we have the moral high ground. Yeah, keep telling yourself that. We are a society built on a certain set of values. Well, many Americans still believe that, which means it's true in their minds, hearts. But you guys are the ones absolutely breaking that reality. I argue if the government was out of the picture that we could have a value society based on these values because they still lie to us about being the good guys and doing good things because they know we want good things. We want the people doing right by people. That's why they lie to you about it. We promote those values around the world, they say. When we, we, we promote those values around the world, and when we use tactics like those, it just undermines that. Exactly, paint for me where we promote those values around the world, other than yelling freedom and good. You yell freedom and destroy countries. You yell saving and and liberty while you remove those things from every single place that you step on. Now, that is the government I'm talking about, not the individuals they manipulate into the military. 
Psychological operations to promote U.S. narratives overseas is nothing new in the military, but the popularity of Western social media across the globe has led to an expansion of these tactics, including the use of artificial personas and images. Guess what, guys? Sometimes called deep fakes. Well, there you go. Openly admitting what we already know, that these operations include faking from whole cloth entire videos about people in the world. Maybe it's already happening. Maybe we're already looking at things we don't know are actually completely made up by the Psychological Operations Department of the Army or the CIA or anybody. But if you bring this up on Twitter, you're a fake news conspiracy theorist. Of course, because that's the operation. The bots, the manipulative part of this, because that's a huge part of this. The fake entities, the fake accounts, they're entirely highlighting here. Twitter, Facebook. The logic is that views expressed by what appears to be, say, an Afghan woman or an Iranian student might be more persuasive than if they were openly pushed by the U.S. government. Of course, because they're going to say, hey, I'm an Iranian student and Iran's taking my rights away. Well, wouldn't they just find the real people saying that if they it, it, I mean, it literally undermines the fact that that's even a real problem. I don't doubt for one second that there are people that have those opinions, but why do they fake them? If the point is they want to sell you on this idea and give you a package story like uh, Abana from uh, uh, from Syria or Omron, the kid in the back of the ambulance. Right. They fake these things. They provably have got caught faking them or making things up in Ukraine. The ghost of Kiev or the the psychological operations lady who argued they were raping children and then got called out for it. it was a completely whole cloth lie. That's this. That's what we're talking about. The majority of military's influence operations are overt promoting U.S. policy in the Middle East and elsewhere under its own name and officials. Official set, excuse me. And there are valid reasons to use clandestine tactics, they claim, such as trying to infiltrate closed groups. A key issue for senior policymakers now is determining whether the military's execution of these operations is delivering results. So it's not about whether they're doing the right thing, breaking the rules. Are they achieving what they want to achieve? And there is them admitting the point. As long as we claim we're doing the right thing, we'll work out the side part of this. We'll figure out the details of the aftermath. No, that's what happens in things like, I don't know, WMDs in Iraq or invasions of Syria, where we go, we'll figure it out, but we have to because it's important. Or, I don't know, a vaccination campaign. Safe and effective, rush it out, emergency authorization because the benefits outweigh the risk because the danger is so real, we can't study it properly. And then, you know, it all the dust settles and we look back and go, well, gee, they knew the whole time. That's how this works. Does our approach really have the potential for return on investment? That's how they view these things. The report suggests the clandestine activity did not have much impact. Of course, that's, and they just need to make it better, right? The vast majority of posts and tweets reviewed received no more than a handful of likes and retweets. So first of all, in their admission of this, they're telling you, well, the government failed. They're clumsy, half-hearted, clandestine operations, which I don't even believe is really what we're pointing at here. This is probably just fake in general, but they're saying they failed and they didn't get enough engagement. And only 19% of the concocted accounts had more than 1,000 followers. Tellingly, the two most followed assets in the data provided by Twitter were overt accounts that publicly declared a connection to the U.S. military. Clandestine influence operations have a role, but we should be a narrow one with intrusive oversight. Right. So what's the moral of the story? Well, of course we're going to keep doing this. We're just going to do it right. So take away from this that they have been lying to you about Iran, about Afghanistan, about Syria, about COVID-19, about injections, about its origin, about literally every single thing you see in front of you in efforts to direct you. Now, here's a couple of included articles. This one's from 2016, posted by Melissa Dykes. Yes, U.S. government propaganda use against American citizens is officially legal now. This is talking about the Smith-Munt Modernization Act in one of the uh, NDAAs. I think it was 2016. 
just trying to look what usually it's one of these I have it posted. I'll make sure I get the date right. Read this one. Watch the video. Here's one from the anti-media back when that was still a thing. My, my sock, which is the, the, me. So or my sock is the full. Where is it? The military information support operations command or just the military information support operations. The U.S. military secret brand of fake news from 2017. All right, so it's all it's always been there. They're just now pointing out the highlighting the misuse so they can justify the new version of it, probably using all the new technological advancements. This is written by me back when I was still writing as often as I used to. May 26, 2017. The new American Empire. Google's new propaganda program changes everything. Here's another one. This one's from Whitney Webb back when she wrote from Impress News. Lifting the U.S. propaganda ban gives new meaning to the old song. Oh, it was the 2013 NDAA. The Smith-Munt Modernization Act. Here's another one written by me. This was actually a show. Oh, I forgot to update this. I'll, I'll try to get the new the new video in there, the old video. The Smith-Munt Modernization Act and mainstream media. The legalized deception of the American people. For the quick understanding of this, the Smith-Munt Act, I believe it was 1940-something, 1943. I'm getting the date wrong. The original act was an act that was designed to say you're not allowed to propagandize the American people. They knew they were going to do it overseas, but you weren't allowed to because they knew how nefarious it was, how wrong and dishonest it was. And you can read the, the original. It's, you can't do that, right? Then, as always, like the Patriot Act and these misnamed ideas to make you think they're the opposite of what they are, they go to the smith Mont Modernization Act. We're only going to make it better. Well, in fact, all they did was basically, they should have just thrown it in the garbage can. All they did was legalize the actual thing that the smith Mont Act was meant to stop. Why would that be modernizing it at all? In fact, all it is is removing it. The Smith-Munt Modernization Act allowed the government to direct exact lies to you through the media as long as they claim it's for national security. You read these for yourself. It's undeniably clear, which means, as I've said every time, that story you saw in Fox or CNN last night could be literally completely manufactured, and they would know that as long as the government said you have to for national security. That's the, the world we live in. This is the last one. This is also by me, Smith-Munt Act and mainstream media fake news. This is just another show where we talk about it. It's very, very, very clear. Now, here's some examples of that happening right now in real time. Russia says claims it carried out war crimes in Izium are a lie. Now, this is just one more example. Don't forget the, the Eva Bartlett interview we had about the first time they claimed a mass grave was completely whole cloth. They showed you. They lied. The people that Eva Bartlett went and spoke to the grave diggers, showed video of the ground. It was a, a normal cemetery. It had Ukrainians, it had Russians, it had people that just everybody. It's just a normal graveyard. They lied. It was a big mass grave, where that means they buried them in a big hole with no headstones or anything. These had headstones. They lied to you. And when they got caught, they just moved to the next story, like any number of stories we've shown you. That's why I'll include this. This goes back to 20. This is, uh, oh, wait a minute. 2022 did they update this maybe they updated it and i haven't gone back and looked it doesn't look updated that's weird i'm pretty sure this wasn't posted on maybe it was in any case this is a great article from kit knightley seven fake news stories coming out of ukraine these are easily proven every single one of these are catastrophic lies using video games using old images that you can prove weren't from where they said they were everything including the ghost of kiev that's completely lied and they've admitted it was a lie every one of these you can check the source material for yourself they've been caught lying and just nobody looks back so when you have a new story about, you might have not seen this, in the middle of a, a big discussion, Ukraine speaks up and says, there's a vast grave over here that Russia carried out. 
And of course, all they have evidence of is Ukraine being there and taking pictures of what happened. Now, that could have just as easily been Ukraine or completely made up, seeing as how they've already been caught doing both. <laughs> but nope, the entire Western media spare, shared what they said. And it, as far as I can tell, is another lie. So these are the, this is why we're talking about when it comes to these clandestine operations. Here is another one that already in very quick succession has been shown to be fake. You saw this, right? Media is screaming about how this new Russian legislation is causing Russians to flee the country, right? Because bad guy Russia, that's the only thing that matters. Well, if that was the case, why would you keep repeatedly having to lie about what's happening? This is a new story coming from World News and everywhere else you can find this. The media is incorrectly representing the situation at the Finnish Russian border. Read the article. The point is, there's literally nothing different. Russians are not fleeing the country as the majority of Western media just pushed. Shocking. This is a quote from the article. Several Finnish officials confirm the situation remains normal at the border with regular queues, traffic, and flow. So how does that make sense? If the Finnish board officials are going, no, this is exactly how it always is. And yet, because of some push, the Western media across the board all parrots the idea that Russians are fleeing and shows images of the Finnish borderline. I mean, that is example of how every one of them do what they're told. Somebody had to fact check this, right? Clearly not. Or they didn't, didn't care. They already got caught lying. Here's another example. Getting away from the Ukraine discussion or any of them. Venezuela's top leaders committing crimes against humanity. Your own reports. Now, is that possible? Of course it is. Why is this all happening in the last couple of days? Every single direction. Venezuela, bad guy. Iran, bad guy. Syria, bad guy. Every single possible thing. Here, the UN decries Iran's violent response after this person's death. Well, uh, Robert's writing an article about this. As I understand that he believes this isn't even this is more related to the U.S. government. In any case, the point is they're the ones saying, no, this is not accurate. What you're saying is a manipulation of the reality. Now, I, you could argue that they're wrong or lying. But the history of this shows you, as we just pointed out, they have entire organized campaigns to take any event and frame it the way they want to, even if it's a completely made up lie. That is where we are. So all I'm showing is that we need to question whether or not what they're saying is even rooted in any truth at all. Here's an example of a reverse aspect of this. I find this to be really well done. Now, <clears throat> what this is doing, and I argue it's, it's hyperbolic in either direction you take this, either, even though there is truth in both directions, but the way that anybody from the U.S. apparatus would frame anything happening in, let's say, North Korea or China is so, it's just, it's insulting to your intelligence to watch how over hyperbolic they are. I shouldn't say oh, how hyperbolic they are to say like these people are all like to see a crowd of people cheering for Kim Jong-un and saying they are all doing so out of fear for being murdered. You know, certainly should be, could be true, but they just frame these things like or the story they had a long time ago about how forcing everybody to get the same haircut. I mean, it was immediately proven to be false, but every outlet covered it. So this is a person, of course, a China state affiliated media, which they never put on the U.S. state affiliated media. Framing what's going on with the Queen's funeral as they would if they were showing something in china watch for yourself i find this to be really well done in the uk where 67 million people are forced to live under the draconian rule of a violent and oppressive monarchy brainwashed citizens were seen chanting god save the king after queen elizabeth ii passed away last week it's expected that many of those mindlessly chanting the ancient verse were doing so out of fear of arrest, since the state has mandated compulsory mourning. 
Protesters holding blank pieces of paper were harassed by police who are clearly fearful of power slipping from the grasp of the UK's authoritarian leaders. A young man who called Prince Andrew a sick old man following allegations he visited Jeffrey Epstein's island was tackled by officers and has since disappeared. Millions in China have voiced their sympathy for the residents of the UK and are hoping that soon they'll break free from the shackles of hundreds of years of royal oppression. Now, you can easily see how there's a lot that I would argue is completely rooted in reality that would apply to any one of these empires, the US, the, the UK, China, Russia. What's interesting, though, is how funny it is that they can that that is the same kind of ridiculous where they where he knows. I mean, it, they, they, you can read it, but the point is that they're intentionally framing it the way that they would frame China in reverse, taking things that, you know, people being forced to, to mourn. I, I'm sure that's not true for everybody there. But that's the kind of way and everybody blindly takes at face value what the apparatus reports about the bad guy countries. You see, this is where we are today. And it is ridiculous. It is truly silly because we know deep down somewhere that they're using this and manipulating it. Here's another example. And this takes us over into, you know, a little bit of an abstract connection, but the idea of Yemen or how what the way they miss in, or choose to frame certain discussions only when it benefits them. You know, sort of how they're literally manufacturing a food crisis around the world, but it only matters now since they need it to achieve their goals. What about the last decade? that Yemen has been starving? What about the starvation campaign applied to, to Iran, right? Nobody cares about any of those things up until they need to use them, which is what we're seeing now. And look how Al Jazeera even frames this under the Russia-Ukraine war discussion. How in the world is that? I mean, everything around the world apparently is Putin's fault right now, still, which is silly. Hunger now killing one person every four seconds, NGOs say. It's been this way for a long time. One person is estimated to be dying of hunger every four seconds. More than 200 NGOs have warned, urging decisive international action to end the spiraling global hunger crisis. Well, why suddenly now? Because they're going to try to use this and the momentum behind it to push you into accepting their new solution to the same old thing they have been creating. It's pretty disgusting when you think about it. A staggering 345 million people are now experiencing acute hunger, a number that has more than doubled since 2019. Funny how they fixed it in 2019, seeing as how this has been going on for at least a decade or more. I mean, I sh long before that, but I'm thinking Yemen in my mind with the worst of it. Despite promises from world leaders to never allow famine again in the 21st century, except for they're using as a political tool to achieve their ends. Of course, right? Otherwise called terrorism. Famine is once more eminent in Somalia. You know, another place where they're actively and secretly bombing around the world. 50 million people are on the brink of starvation in 45 countries. Of course, they're going to argue this is climate change, right? Pointing out that as many as 19,700 people are estimated to be dying of hunger every day. Almost 20,000 people dying of hunger almost every day. The NGOs said that this translates to one person dying of hunger every four seconds. And guys, if you think this has to do with a food crisis that only just started spinning out of control, you're not paying attention. This is absolutely because of conscious choices to either ignore people's needs or make this be useful for them. Here, before we go forward, is a couple of points I've made on this in the past. This is the illusion that's always been there. I wrote this a long time ago. I, I even think I wrote this before 2016. I think I reposted it on 2016. Uh, no, I, I would have posted that somewhere if I did. So this was posted on 2016. It, and this is the, the title for the podcast with an image of a bunch of rat, bat, trash bins with a bunch of old and useful food in it. 
ending food waste can solve world hunger. France takes step in the right direction. Now, admittedly, my opinions changed a lot since 2016, but I still stand by the general premise of where this goes. It may be shocking for many to learn that hunger, as the world knows it today, is not caused by scarcity, but rather by poverty and equality. Now, again, that's true. Same kind of point we are making before. To point out that's why this is happening is not to lean in to the idea of how they're selling you on stopping inequality. Because again, that's not even what they're trying to do. They're using these things as flowery language to trick people like sustainability when they're not even, in my opinion, even attempting to go in that direction. But let's be clear. When I say that, it's because there's enough food, as I'll make clear in this point in this article, right now being thrown away every year to feed the rest of the planet. So it's not scarcity, which is what they want you to think. Or not climate change, just ruining the food supply. It's actually poverty, which is a useful tool to them, and the inequality that they've created with their policy. But it says, for the past two decades, again, written in 2016, the rate of global food production has increased faster than the rate of global population growth. The world already, in 2016, and I promise you to this day, produces more and less, by the way, the GMO experiment in everywhere that Bill Gates rolled it out was intentionally meant to reduce the food supply, which is a certainly honest question to ask with every other self-serving action they've taken. It destroys what they, you see where that goes. It says, the world already produces more than one and a half times enough food to feed everyone on the planet. That's enough to feed 10 billion people. The population peak expected by 2050. Currently, one third of the food produced around the world ends up in the trash every single year for a variety of reasons. The United States is by far the worst with about 60 tons of food wasted every single year. All the, you can, all the links are in here. You can check all this stuff for yourself. This means that world hunger could literally be solved by utilizing the 33% of the world's food that's simply thrown away. Again, we're not even talking about you making choices in your life or you know, giving things that you want. This is simply using things that we already throw away. Think about how wild that is. The amount of wasted food is almost as outrageous as the reasoning behind its waste. This, this picture is important. All nice and pretty and organized, exactly the same shape. That's not how nature works, guys. Grocery stores routinely overstock their shelves to give the appearance of abundance, which then mostly ends up in the, in the landfill when it's not sold, first of all, right? So anything they don't sell what's out there, they throw away, much of which is still completely usable when they do. The usual reasoning behind the waste of these products is superficial. Now, this, again, this is this actually, I, actually, now that I see the way I wrote that art sentence, it's kind of confusing. First of all, they throw away stuff that sits on the shelf, even if it looks perfect, if it's there too long. The second part of this is an item that is misshapen or off-colored. We tossed away upon delivery, if not we're thrown away before the delivery even goes because they know that the customer won't want that. These are items that are trashed, whether or not they would be perfectly edible, for the simple fact that the consumer wants to see a perfectly shaped fruit because that's simply what we have been conditioned to buy. Most purveyors will opt out or opt to throw out what they consider to be unusable product instead of donating to those in need. Because they are operating under the false impression, or whether, or actually don't care, that they will be held liable if one is to become ill after eating the portion of their donated food. That's actually a false premise. A common misconception, the Emerson Act of 1996 states that if one donates food to a global, to a, in good faith, they can't be sued. So that's a lie that they always push. So why do they throw it away? Why do they do this if they know they don't, won't be held accountable? In in, 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 in in inhumane display, that's a weird way to start that sentence, of greed and insensitivity, 
some companies were going as far and still do to this day as pouring bleach over the thrown away food in the trash can just to stop homeless people from nourishing themselves on the perfectly edible food in the garbage can. How did it even make sense of that other than just spiteful? Currently, Americans, this is in 2016, it's only gotten worse. Americans waste almost 40% of their food. That's $165 billion worth of food every year, about 20 pounds per person every single month. That This wasted yet perfectly edible food could fill 730 football stadiums. The percentage of waste has increased by about 50% since 1974. This barely scratches the surface of the root problem. But the first step is making the public aware that world hunger is a problem that we're currently capable of solving right this moment. We don't need a great reset. We don't need some new bio direction. This is why they don't want you realizing these things. Not by genetically altering the food supply and adding problems for future generations, which we already see coming to pass. When I wrote this, by the way, I hadn't seen that entirely. Since 2016, we've watched them destroy the food. Food is more scarce in the places where they push GMOs. That's a fact. But this is by allowing profit to take a back seat to the betterment of humanity. Now, I don't mean by allowing centralized technocrats to decide for you. I mean by taking personal ownership of these problems and doing right by the other people around you. Millions should not have to, should not have to die so markets can appear abundant and the privileged can have a perfectly shaped red apple. Now, I argue that's only that way because they've engineered that. But the, the reality, guys, is that this has always been a, a problem within our grasp and it doesn't have to change anything you're doing. Simply stopping the companies from throwing away what they deem not to be something you're going to want to buy. Think about how gross that is. And now suddenly, we care. Everybody point out how the problem we've created is a problem so we can justify the solution we want to sell you on. Makes me sick. Using pain and suffering to sell you on the next step. Here's another article by uh, Eric Dreister, 2017. The Hunger Games. How modern imperialism creates famine around the world. Same point. Here, actually, this is one that you guys will be interested to see. This is a, the very first interview I ever had with Whitney Webb. Back when she was writing for Mint Press News. It was basically behind the scenes of Mint Press News. I remember reaching out to her because I loved her Yemen work. She was just knocking it out of the park. And I wanted, to, I wanted to hear her thoughts on it, not just Mint Press News publishing it. Now, this is called the Ignored Yemen Genocide. 18.4 million people are starving to death. Look at that. Old opening, even. The conflict in Yemen also... I'm trying to, I want to show you me. It actually... <laughs> oh, my God. Look at that. This chubby guy here with this weird view. Anyway... Well, it's a great interview, though. I really, this is the first time that Whitney and I really connected, and, and, and since then, you, you know what happened. So this is, this is a great discussion. The point is, this has always been the problem. 2018, we're discussing this obvious issue. Why weren't they talking about it then? It's before 2019, where they're calling it out here. And finally, I'll include a link to this Yemen in general for the website, so you can look through this stuff and see how many times we've talked about this. Now, here's an interesting one. This is the last point on the PSYOP discussion before we jump into COVID-19 to finish off the latter half of the show. Luke Radowski points out, when you don't do your homework at school the next day. I love that, that framing of it. This is a, a congressional meeting where they're talking about January 6th. Now, if, you, if, you, if there's ever a topic that is being so aggressively misrepresented and psychologically operated, if you can frame it like that, phrase it like that 
that, my point was, if you if you ever seen something, if, you, if there has ever been an example of it, this is it. January sixth is what I'm talking about, and the way they talk about this. Remember, we've talked about the or even just Thomas Massey talking about the approval of the injections and whether or not that's what they're using. Right? These people are so incredibly uninformed, but they're talking. This guy is talking about the idea about how somebody was bludgeoned to death at January sixth. Now, does he know he's not right? Does he know he's lying? Does it matter? The point is that this is how psychological operations work. The narrative is being spun, whether or not they're involved in that agenda. And it takes somebody like this to simply go, are you, are you sure that's right? I'm pretty sure you're wrong. It just shows you how, how completely saturated everything is with this exact kind of problem, with this psychological operation agenda. I wasn't listening. We were conversing a bit. But did I hear, and I think, did you say that a that, uh, police officer was bludgeoned to death by the crowd at the January 6th riots? I said a police officer was bludgeoned to death. I did not say at the hands of whom, Mr. Bishop. Could, just, who are you referring to, if you don't mind yeah. saying? I can get that information for you in a few minutes. Well, I, I just want to make sure. Now, why wouldn't he give the name? Like, there's always little small examples that you, that'll make you, like... So he's the one arguing this happened. This guy is just barely poking into it. Why wouldn't he go this guy? If he's so certain he was bludgeoned to death, why wouldn't he just open the, give the name? I'll give it to you in a minute. Well, that's it, my opinion. And I, I just, I, maybe, I'm wrong, there's another re, maybe there's another reason for it. That to me very strongly suggests that he doesn't want to poke into the discussion. He wants to state what people can take as narrative without having to openly discuss whether that's actually what happened. Here's how it goes. Because are, are, are you denying? And get that information from the hands of whom, Mr. Bishop? Could, just who are you referring to, if you don't mind yeah. saying? And get that information for you in a few minutes. Well, I, I just want to make sure because are, are, are you denying that Capitol Police that at least one Capitol Police officer was was murdered in the in the midst of what happened on January sixth? Right. I mean, think of it. See, see how quickly he redirects. All he's asking was, "What name? Who are you talking about? Are you denying that this happened?" That is defensive. That's what that looks like. When you're defensive, that's what that looks like. He has not even posed a question yet. He's simple or other than who is the guy you're referring to so we can have a genuine discussion. And, the, and the, the response is you're accusing me of lying. You know, it's like, yeah, probably because somewhere internally you are even on the surface. You're very aware that you're lying. That's what that seems like to me. Just my superficial opinion. I can't speak on his intentions because I'm not ridiculous. Capitol police that at least one Capitol police officer was was murdered in the in the midst of what happened on January 6th? Yeah, I think I am denying. I mean, here's what I, I understood that there were reports early on that that Sicknick was struck with a fire extinguisher and that subsequently was debunked as false. He died of natural causes. Correct. That were not connected to the event. Are we talking about the same person, Sicknick, or are we talking about somebody else? Seriously, I mean, this, this is a genuine question. Yeah, the no, the medical I, I, right. Why wouldn't he be answering this? I mean, how very transparent. Am I wrong? I mean, it gets my opinion, but I'm just there's, you know, there's things, especially doing this for a living or just people watching in general. There's characteristics you tend to see. It doesn't always mean what you think it does. But there's a, a string of these and examples here that there's something about this discussion that he doesn't want to get into. Examiner, the U.S. Capitol Police put out a report agreeing with the medical examiner finding the U.S. CP officer Brian Sidney died Mr. of natural Bishop, causes. Well, right, so there's two people now that are confirming that that's what the report said. He died of natural causes, and they confirmed it themselves. Here's how he responds. Just a, a, in a, an initial thought, and, and I know um, that Mr. Roy, you two are an attorney. Uh, Mr. Bishop speaks often about how brilliant of an attorney he is. Uh, you know, we're talking about but-for causation 
of Officer Sicknick's death. And so I, I would hope that you would at least concede at a minimum that Mr. Sicknick died as a result of what happened on January 6th. And, and I'm disappointed if you would suggest otherwise, sir. Well, right, okay, so now we're changing the story? Didn't you just claim and even push back on the fact that he didn't die there? At January 6th, bludgeoned to death at January 6th. Now because he, he hasn't even pushed yet. He's simply going, what's, what's his name? And you're already going, okay, well, fine. Well, maybe can't, we can at least concede that he died because of it, right? I mean, guys, these are the people that are in charge. This is straight up, like my opinion, this guy knows that he's spinning falsehoods, maybe because he believes he's doing it for some grander good, right reasons. But I mean, how do you see this anything else other than him knowing he's already changed his story <laughs> after 30 seconds of pushback? If that, if it's even pushback, hasn't even started yet. I, I, was he, I mean, look, I, I don't think that's correct either, but just was he bludgeoned to death? Is that because I think Ms. Demings was even looking at we Soto Voce between me and her saying he was. I'm, I'm sincere as, as I can be. My understanding is that that was debunked, and, and Mr. Roy just read the medical examiner's information. Right. Do, do you guys contend that he was bludgeoned to death? I, I, you died from natural causes. You're not bludgeoned to death. Now, look, you could argue that there was a connection, and that's what he's trying to, like, sidestep into now, that maybe because of something that happened January 6th, later, days later, added to him dying of natural causes. That's certainly possible. But the report is what we're talking about, and that report finds that he did not die at January 6th, and you clearly were not bludgeoned to death if you die from natural causes. I mean, there's, there's nuance there, of course. But this is them taking the narrative and, t and basically contorting it into what they want to be seen. He's seen. I, I, Mr. Bishop appears to be trying to point out the facts. I mean, he probably got. They all have their own agendas. But my God, this is so transparent. I contend that 138 Capitol and D.C. police officers were injured. 138 people were injured. Of course, we're talking about minor things in the vast majority. If the worst thing that happened was somebody later died, what is barely connected. Clearly that none of the rest of them are even remotely like there. You know, I know there's the one of the guy that got pressed in the door. Like there's all these. And this is just like it's, it's almost like they're forcing you into a position to like diminish what happened to the people that did get hurt because of how wildly over the top they're talking about this. I don't want to diminish that people got hurt in a way where somebody was breaking the law. But it's 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 childishly hyperbolic the way that they discuss anything about January 6th. We all know that. I believe they know that. And that multiple Capitol Police officers died as a direct just, result of what happened on January 6th. And I really? hope that you... It's your time. Under, I don't, you don't have to answer. I, 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 hope, I, hope, I hope you can, you can see how one would question the sincerity of, of, of such a minute point in the midst of the gravity of everything else. The gentleman... Ah, now you get to the point of it, right? Oh, say, because it's such a serious situation, how dare you question the facts? Right. I mean, how, on such a minute point as of whether he actually died at January 6th or whether or not he was bludgeoned to death. You know, so the, these minor central points of what what actually happened. How can you call it a minor point about whether or not it actually happened the way you're discussing it? Because, see, that's it. That's how they see this. And the facts don't matter. Trump bad guy. Right. We're allowed to undermine democracy as long as we do it because we know Trump's the evil one. We won't say it like that, but we'll in the media push out side discussions about how we wink, wink, know that's what happened. That's what's happening here. How dare you bring up the facts when we're obviously trying to stop the worst of the worst? See how this works? I mean, this is just crazy stuff, guys. Oops, I'm way down the line here. So, the last point, seeing as how January 6th is such an obvious operation, is I wanted to play this video again for you all the way through. I kind of jumped in the beginning. It's only three minutes. But recognize how crazy it is that they're even undermining the very idea that they do this 
about whether they're dishonest or lie or everything else. And here is what they put out. I mean, guys, this is from the fourth PSYOP group. This is the U.S. government army military account. I mean, this, this was even discussed by them. This is not a fake. This is 100% put out by the U.S. government. and listens in horror, the peaceful pro-democracy demonstration in China comes to a violent and bloody end. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I mean, even the background where they're, you know, they're pointing at Gorbachev or, or different geopolitical points. I mean, what they're suggesting is that they had a hand in manipulating these topics. That's what they're saying right there. Who are we? Psychological operation. They're, they're very clearly suggesting their psychological, psychological operations had an influence on things like Gorbachev, North Korea, the things they subtly point at in this. I mean, that, that they're openly praising themselves for lying to you about what happens around the world. And maybe somewhere in there, there's the, the greater good. <laughs> I don't believe that's the case, though. Wolves hiding nearby Whispering, do or die around me. Yeah, a world at war predominantly led by the good guys, right? You say your last good night while All the world's a stage? I mean, that's really crazy for them to say, isn't it? Like that, that's, the, I mean, that's what people say today about that. Like we're talking about everything. The, your reality is, is fabricated. They're literally telling you that. If the world's a stage, then they're actors and they're all playing their roles. There's no hiding in this video. They're openly proposing it. But see, if you talk about this exactly the way they frame it in other contexts, other situations, other platforms, you're a mad lunatic and spreading conspiracy theory. That's how simple this is today. They are telling you they're lying to you about everything. That's what this is. There is another very important phase of warfare. It has as its target, not the body, but the mind of the enemy. The target of psychological warfare is against the enemy's mind. It is words and ideas. The ammunition used by Cywar. Anything we touch is a weapon for those in the podcast. Its mission is to influence the thoughts of the enemy soldier. And at the same time, is expected and encouraged to study foreign languages and the social sciences such as history, economics, and sociology. I mean, look, they're saying change and they're showing revolutions. I mean, this is transparent. They're engineering revolutions and then using that to achieve ends. And they don't care about the people that get hurt in the meantime. 
He must have a broad and sympathetic understanding of all phases of human experience. Now, by the way, when I say that, again, the they, the, um, you know, ubiquitous they, I'm talking about in the context of people that use this, possibly not even the people involved with the day-to-day operations. But from a top-down perspective, these things are manipulated, abused, and used against the very people that they're claiming they're trying to help. History makes that clear. That's not even my opinion. Gripping at my skin the walls of night closing. But the use of this force as an integral part of combat has now taken on new form. We are everywhere, they say. As a way to say my last goodbye. meant to be alarming. I mean, what is this supposed to be? I mean, that's a that's horror movie stuff right there. This is, there's no question, this is meant to be scary. I don't even know why that makes sense to anybody. Our, the, the U.S. Army putting out a video that, one, admits that they're lying, deceiving, faking things, and then just basically trying to scare people. This is crazy. What are we? Psy war, it says. Psychological. These are the Psy war soldiers. There you go. That's the Go Army, GoArmiesOf.com. I'm not sure what that stands for, but in any case, no hiding this, guys. No hiding this whatsoever. All included. Now, the biggest psychological operation of our lifetimes is the next part of this show, right? The COVID-19 slash vaccination injection psychological operation is ongoing to this day. Now, Thomas Massey points out something that I've been screaming about. That's important for us to understand, which is, as I'm realizing and I organized this a little bit off, but let's see. I want to see if I should update this. Mm. Well, we'll see. So the point, and this is something we all need to understand. Actually, I think I can do this. Sorry, <laughs> I'm confuse myself here. I'll come back to it. Okay, so the point is, and I'll just move it over there. If the pandemic is over, as Biden just claimed, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to believe that was by accident, but then all of the president's emergency powers predicated on a pandemic, all COVID vax mandates, the emergency powers of every governor, emergency use authorizations, and the PrEP Act should all be voided. I mean, this is the reality. This was the reality when they claim we're out of the pandemic phase. They keep sidestepping this. The problem is this is an, an illegal reality. Right now, everything they have is illegal. I mean, this is aside from the fact that they have examples, I'll show you in a minute, of why the emergency use authorizations are already illegal because of approved alternatives and so on, or the fact that they regularly lapse in the 90-day pre-approval, which means there's entire weeks sometimes, I've done entire shows on this, where they don't reauthorize the emergency 
in the time they're supposed to. So there's a week where they don't have a legal stated state of emergency, which means everything they're using, all the mandates and everything else is illegal. It's as simple as that. But they don't care about this. But Reuters is like, no, no, no. I know the president said it, but it's fake news. The pandemic is over, he said, but formally speaking, so that when the the president speaks, it's not formal. The U.S. has not declared the end of the COVID pandemic. Well, it's the president, right? I mean, so what does it mean when the U.S. declares it? Does that are you admitting clearly that Biden's not in the control of the United States government? Apparently. Well, the the bottom line is Biden said Biden's dumb and he doesn't know. He's just he's not really the one. He said things, but it's not real. It's not there. Here is what they said in regard to their fact check. Is the COVID-19 pandemic over in the United States? In an interview aired September 18, U.S. President Joe Biden did say the pandemic is over. But formally speaking, the U.S. has not declared the end of the pandemic. The country is still operating under a public health emergency, first declared in January 2020. Yeah, an emergency declared based on factors that have visceral, like entirely, from the top to bottom, shown to be false. The Imperial College of London hype, like over the top assessment of where the danger, the the uh, the risk factors that they admit they were later shown to be false based on things they assumed. I mean, ever across the board, or or the idea of asymptomatic spread, or the idea of how dangerous it actually is, like probably less than the flu. I mean, every possible factor that justifies this before we even get into whether there's approved alternatives make this no longer valid. But I guess we'll just go on forever as long as they say, well, the lasting effects, whatever that means. The government is expected to renew that labeling in October. That, but and that's all- the point. They, every 90 days, they still renew this. And many times they lapse and do it three, four days a week late, which my point was before. That makes it illegal in the, min- in the meantime. But why would they renew the emergency if even Biden, even casually or even entirely accurately says the pandemic's over? No one's wearing masks. Or they've been it before. We're out of the pandemic phase. So how can you claim we're in an emergency, but not in the pandemic phase? It doesn't make sense. Also likely to let the public health emergency expire in January 2023. The World Health Organization reported in mid-September that the global number of weekly reported deaths the world expire in January 2023. But it's also likely to let the public health emergency expire in January 2023. The wo- wait, wait, based on what? I missed that before. Based on what? Where'd that even come from? Who's saying that? It's also likely, is that what you said? In October, declared in January 2020. The government is expected to renew that labeling in October. But it's also likely to let the public health emergency... Why? I don't even understand why, why is it likely. They've already renewed this like 17 times. Why is it likely next time? Why, if it's likely next time, why wouldn't it be right now? Oh, elections. That's right. I forgot. Expire in January 2023. The World Health Organization reported in mid-September that the global number of weekly reported deaths from COVID-19 was the lowest since March 2020. We're not there yet, but the end is in sight. The virus, which emerged in China in late 2019, has killed... See, and they're still spinning that out. I mean, do you realize how much peer-reviewed science, dead open statements by heads of governments, I mean, around the world, and I'm talking like allies of the United States, Italy, Japan, Taiwan, have all admitted with their own evidence that this was circulating before it was found in China. I was talking about this in 2020, guys. 
that just went to the wayside because nobody cares about that if it doesn't have to do with bad guy China or bad guy US. Like, how crazy is that? And here we are just, just reverting back to it started in China, sort of like Omicron started in South Africa. Everything's fake, guys. We live in a reality that's completely spun by narratives and psychological operations. How much more obvious does it need to be? These facts are on the table. They're easily proven. And yet the narrative continues on. Over six and a half million people around the world, including more than one million in the U.S. I'm going to hold there you go again. Up. A million? A million, right? Seeing as how we already know that we've, they've intentionally and verbally stated they've overshot those numbers for your safety, but you, we still revert back to saying a million people have died, including that person that died in a car accident they called COVID, they admitted to. Yeah, it's a million people, though, because that makes it sound dangerous. Okay. Vaccines and treatments have helped lower the rates of death and severe illnesses. Oh, my God. It just makes me sick to even see that. But in the U.S., an average of nearly 400 people a day continue to die from COVID-19. Yeah, which is dramatically lower than just about everything else you could point at. You know, like just alcohol, cigarettes, or tuberculosis, anything else. But we're all so focused on this thing that's not dangerous that we make it dangerous by highlighting the things over, you know, a million tallied so far. What, over the next two and a half years? That's a weird time frame to keep tallying it, right? It's not the every actual metric, if you apply it the same way, pre-COVID shows you that this was never even what they said it was, let alone is it still dangerous now. I mean, this is painful. So here's Fauci stepping into the conversation. You go, no, no, it's not over. There will be more variants. Of course there will. Well, I could tell you why, if that's even the case, because the people that are being injected are exploding with, with sharing transmission that are changing, causing things to happen. That's from within the obviously proven discussion that they're putting out. How unusual this virus is and continues to be in its ability to evolve into new variants which defy the standard public health mechanisms of addressing an outbreak, where you would expect it that once a certain number of people get infected and or get vaccinated, that you could essentially bring an end to the pandemic component of the outbreak. And we've experienced at least five, and Steve, there will be more variants. How we respond and how we're prepared for the evolution of these variants is going to depend on us. Okay, so first point here, what he's admitting to is that, you know, it's not the same old thing, right? The whole paradigm has shifted. These are different. Okay, so based on that logic, what we're going to do, we're going to do the same thing, right? So we failed. And that we know because new variants are popping up and we made the first mRNA and we have to make the new one that came out too late. So we're using that data, even though we didn't use it to translate to this new thing. But so he just told you, based on what he just explained, the logic is we don't know and we shouldn't take this next thing because it will be a variant tomorrow. Why, if, 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 the, if the evolution of this process so far that he just admitted to is correct, which I don't even know why we would take it at face value, but using their narrative to expose their own lies, if that's correct, there's zero logic for taking the next thing in the same train in the same direction. As he just said, it's no, there's nothing that makes sense from before. And ultimately, this is going to be more variants. So if they already know that, why are they focusing on one variant and making the same thing like they did in the beginning if he just said it didn't work? I mean, their own argument is showing you that the process they're involved in right now is not enough. And that's probably because they want to justify the next thing. The bottom line is, why is anybody out there still going along with this when they're in the midst of all of it, arguing they don't know that they're just guessing into the direction of what they want? I mean, it's just crazy. This doesn't make any sense. 
And that gets to the other conflicting aspect of this is the lack of a uniform acceptance of the interventions that are available to us in this country, where even now, more than two years, close to three years into the outbreak, we have only 67% of our population vaccinated. And right. So you're the problem. Right. You even though they're admitting to you now that these things weren't working and he starts off by saying that we that the new things have changed. But you're dumb because you didn't get the first thing. Like in his own discussion, that doesn't add up. Why, if you're admitting this doesn't stop transmission, that you can still spread and catch it. That in fact, right now, the data shows that they're the worst affected, especially when you get two. And yet you're going to swing around after the facts and say that you're the reason we still have a problem even though they just admitted we don't even have a problem anymore. Like, I don't even think any of their talking points even add up anymore. I mean, am I wrong? I mean, exactly what he just said contradicts what he's saying now. Only one half of those have received a single boost. Right, which you're now arguing you don't even need because you have the new thing, and all you require for the new thing is to have the first two of the thing that's no longer here, if ever was. Follow so far? You probably shouldn't because it doesn't make much sense. For sure, the intensity of the outbreak now, even though it is, I believe, unacceptably high, where we're having 400 deaths per day, when you compare it to the... And again, these are deaths that we know are being bolstered. They're not changing anything. They're still using the with COVID argument. He even just sold you on that. I tried to sell you on that like a week ago. So, so if, if, if the best they have is 400 deaths a day, which is not that big compared to just about everything else, not that anything is like people dying. It's sad. It happens. That's life. People die from the flu. They tell you all the time. The point is that what they're using is a, is a bloated number based on false PCR tests, based on the combination of flu and pneumonia, and still they're only arguing 400 a day. 400 a day. My point is it's not accurate at all, even remotely. Fulminant stages we've experienced over the past year or so, where we used to have 800 to 900,000 cases per day. Oh, it's weird. So you're comparing 900 cases a day to 400 deaths a day? Yeah, that's meant to be impossible to conflate and discuss. I mean, these guys, these guys, I, I, I've, I've, I've have come to a point where I do not think that Fauci is just trying to lie his way out of a problem. The way he conducts himself makes it pretty easy to see that he is knowingly deceiving people. That's my opinion, of course. Now, the problem here is that they're pushing this anyway, despite all of what we can see. And as always, I make the point that this next segment is just one fraction of a fraction of the full body of work that even just T-Lab has done, let alone the independent media, around the risks that are really viscerally on the surface in this discussion in regard to the the COVID-19 injections. Here's a discussion from the weather channel, which I don't even know why they continue to be involved in this conversation. COVID, Alzheimer's link uncovered. And what this is talking about is how COVID-19 is apparently connected to Alzheimer's. September 21st. Older people who get COVID-19 could be at substantially higher risk of developing Alzheimer's disease within the next year. Researchers led by Case Western Reserve University found that people over the age of 65 diagnosed with COVID-19 
were as much as 50 to 80 percent more likely to be diagnosed with Alzheimer's soon after. Okay. Now, you know, the big, the glaring omission they don't get into in this short video, which the data shows, is that the vast, vast, vast majority of people in that age group have already been injected. So, of course, they never talk about the other part. It must have been COVID, right? Because they get injected, they get sick, they call it COVID, and then forever becomes a COVID, long COVID problem, whatever else. The injection, of course, we know it's not the injection. Therefore, that's how this works. You start with a false premise, you're going to get false results. They will not acknowledge that the injection is causing a problem. So we won't talk about this. Now, look, am I going to argue that it's not possible for this to increase the risk of these problems? No, I don't know that. I don't. But what we do know is what I'll show you next. First of all, where they go, fact check, no evidence. No evidence that Pfizer's COVID vaccine causes Alzheimer's. Okay, let's point out why that's easy to prove that it's false. This is May 12th, 2021, this came out. I already showed you this, by the way. It was updated a year ago, right? So that means they updated this, at, you know, basically, what? so a year ago from today, essentially, or give or take. I'll, that's relevant in a moment. So you know my point about proof and evidence. Proof is in, unequivocal, right? That's it's Proof shows you the reality. Evidence are just data points. Evidence can be falsified. Evidence could be wrong. But they ha you have evidence that you compile to potentially lead to proof or coming to a conclusion. So what they're saying is there's no evidence, which would mean there's no studies, that there's no arguments, that there's no data collected to show that it could be the case. So, and I'm about to prove to you that's wrong. That's why Reuters or whoever does these ridiculous fact checks, are they have to know they're dishonest. As of this article's publication, it says the COVID vaccine manufactured by Pfizer has not been shown to cause prion diseases or neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's, Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. Experts say a paper circulating, this one, which you've seen, I've shown you as far back as 2020, does not prove, provide legitimate evidence otherwise. So what's interesting, by the way, well, I guess it does say no evidence that it causes it. So that's their only, usually they, today they'd be like, no, you know, evidence, in any case, say that it doesn't and, and then prove from the backward way. It says titled COVID-19 RNA-based vaccines and the risk of prion disease. The paper in question published in a journal called Microbiology Infectious Diseases in January was authored by Bart Klassen, MD. Klassen has, and this is where they include something that has no bearing on the data, but they want you to go, oh, okay, here's why, wink, wink, we know he's lying. Several years, over several years, he's published many papers and articles opposing the use of vaccines. Oh my God, he must be an anti-vaxxer. Not that there's any real reason to oppose vaccines. You know, not like there's ever been vaccines that have later been shown to be dangerous. No, no, no. That's absolute fake news. And if you publish any discussion about any vaccine that could be bad, you're a crazy madman. Of course, I'm being facetious. There has been an endless string of injections largely made by Pfizer in this discussion that have later turned out to be dangerous. Many, many, many. They've got lawsuits about it. They've paid out $10 billion in lies. So simply by broadly saying he's published papers opposing the use of vaccines, well, doesn't even get into what. They link to it. But the point is that that is meant, why does that have to do with this discussion? Pay, scientific research showing you a potential, pro, not saying we know, but saying it's possible. And then he also says, his work has been shared by RFK Jr. Oh, there you go. I'm sold. I'm not reading anymore. Fake news. That's what they want from you. They want from the childish lowest common denominator that do that. This paper's central claim in that Pfizer's mRNA vaccine contains sequences believed to induce TDP43 and FUS to aggregate in their prion-based conformation, leading to the development of common neurodegenerative diseases. So the main part, 
believed to induce. Right. So you're attacking them for arguing the data suggests something. That's how dishonest this is. In other words, he says certain letters in RNA code in the vaccine have the potential to trigger changes in a way human proteins, namely TDP43 and FUS, fold, making them cause diseases. And there's, there's a basis for this exact topic before this. Apparently, they missed that, too, in their deep dive due diligence. According to experts, and I'll, of course, show you next. According to experts consulted by Reuters, I love this part. As of this fact checks publication, evidence does not support this claim. Can you guess what experts they reach out to? A Pfizer spokesperson said, <laughs> I'm not even making this up, guys, quote, there's no evidence when asked by Reuters whether or not these vaccines cause the thing this study found. Of course, Pfizer said, no, fake news. And they said, OK, fake news. Experts said, great stuff. Great fact check. Having reviewed the paper, which is less than three pages long, and I'll show you next, and provides only three sentences describing its methodology. OK, does that mean it's fake? Well, no, I'll show you plenty of other research that finds the same conclusion. But they say this guy they reached out to, Dr. Albert Hoffman, a clinical epidemiologist at Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health, told Reuters by phone that the paper provides no evidence for the author's findings, which he described as untenable. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. I, I see a lot. In fact, 19 different citations of report of re related research that correlates or he references throughout this discussion to back up what he's saying. Is that not evidence? He provides no evidence for the author's findings. I mean, those are 19 citations of references. Okay, well, that's evidence at the very least. And I've read through this entirely. You can find he very clearly outlines the methodology for why he thinks this is happening and then cites the references that do that work, right? Including things that he's involved in. They do the work to prove these aspects. That's how this is supposed to work. Clearly, this guy over the phone quickly read over this paper and said, I don't see anything. That's my opinion. But otherwise, how do you argue there's no evidence when he literally cites the evidence? They hope you don't look at this and just read what Reuters told you. Now it says, she knew of no evidence, this other person they discuss, linking any of the COVID vaccines to Alzheimer's and emphasized that Alzheimer's patients are particularly vulnerable to the novel coronavirus because the infection may put their cognition at risk. So basically saying, go out and get the injection, even if you've got Alzheimer's, which is just ridiculous, especially since what we see is it exacerbates every single thing people seem to have. But first of all, this is evidence. Like, I don't even think these scientists understand what evidence means. You could argue that it's wrong, but it's still evidence. But of course, we'll get into the other studies that say the same thing, which means they also missed that evidence. But it says there is certainly no data from the vaccine makers that this is a concern. Well, there you go. Right. So we've got one person who skims over this report and clearly argues there's nothing to back up what he says, despite 19 citations that do exactly that. You've got somebody else who jumps in and basically says that there's no evidence linking this, despite five studies of four. I'll show you next. And this person saying, well, the vaccine guys didn't say so. This is their fact check. The FDA briefing documents for both Pfizer vaccine and Moderna vaccine simply don't mention this problem. All done. A CDC spokesperson, see how this goes, told Reuters via email, it's aware of no evidence to date that the vaccines caused this. So you ask the CDC, you ask the FDA, and you ask Pfizer, the experts, apparently. It is worth noting that the last paragraph of Claussen's paper says, quote, many have raised the warning that the current epidemic of COVID-19 is actually the result of a bio-attack released in part by individuals in the United States government, while citing two sources authored by Claussen himself. The same claim has been espoused by larger pandemic conspiracy theories that have been debunked here. 
again, oh, that's why I did that. Let me move this back over here. Again, as we're at a time when the Lancet and the Telegraph are going, well, it could have come from a U.S. lab. Okay, so your fact check is completely baseless then. Like, so because he's posing an idea that right now the Telegraph is saying is light as possible and that uh, Professor Sachs is the one arguing he believes quite strongly did come from a U.S. lab. And then you can quibble about the bioweapon word, seeing as how it's a bioweapon, whether or not they're arguing it's for vaccination. The bottom line here is they're using that as a reason for you to dismiss what he's saying. What does that have to do with the evidence? Especially since it's a simple point that we think he's saying that a lot of people raise the concern that this might be possible. That's just about as objective as you get, especially when it's true. But they're using that to dismiss it, including that he challenges vaccines in general. How dare you challenge the gospel? When reached for comment via email, here's what he told him, and rightly so. You should leave the scientific criticism to scientists. Which it says, which Reuters has done throughout this article, right? By asking the people who have a financial investment in them. Yeah, very smart. And that Reuters was not qualified to criticize his work. I completely agree with that, especially since they continue to show themselves to willfully deceive people. He did not provide further evidence or comment on his paper's findings. <laughs> this, is, this is so embarrassing. Quote, it's hard to believe this paper stood up to the peer-reviewed process. Oh, so at least they admit that it was peer-reviewed. <laughs> Isn't it funny how when they point out that peer review is exactly what needs to be done and then when it's actually done and they don't like what it shows you they go i don't trust that one because of peer review by the wrong people <laughs> it's just pathetic irani noted that the paper was rife with ambiguous phrases such as may cause and the potential to yeah i mean i this one actually blew my mind you guys know especially those that watch the show regularly i go through science all the time that's almost always what it does because they know that it's easier to get funding. They know that it's more of a scientific stance to not just say unequivocally things can happen. And this is his point. He's not saying that he knows. He's saying that this suggests this is a likely problem. That's why you would say it may cause or the potential to. This is a scientist who is taking a stance that objectivity is bad. That instead he should have been like, we know for sure. But aren't you the one saying there's not enough evidence to make that claim? So how do you even put those two things together? So you're saying there's not enough evidence. So when he says may cause, you then attack the fact that he's, I mean, it's just like my head spins when I watch how silly all this is. But there's absolutely no evidence, they say. Verdict, false. As the article's publication, there is no evidence that mRNA vaccines can lead to problems. Okay, well, aside from the fact that this article is peer-reviewed and very clearly does find exactly that and it cites all sorts of citations that show you that work in the background, and I'll quickly read you what it says. And it does discuss specifically DDP-43 and the TUS. It says the folding of these to, into their pathogenic prime, uh, prion conformations is known to cause ALS, front temporal labor degeneration, Alzheimer's disease, and other neurological degenerative diseases. The point is that this is what these injections are being found to do, potentially, shown to cause the transformation of these two things. What they're saying is the vaccines can do that, likely based on the evidence, and that that could be causing this in people. That's about as objective and scientific as you can get. But of course, they don't like it because it says something they don't want people to think about. Well, here's another one. Crutchfield-Jacobs disease after COVID vaccination, December 2021. Here's another one. Sporadic Crutchfield-Jacobs disease after receiving a second dose of Pfizer, which this one was deleted, weirdly enough. Wasn't retracted, just deleted. And I found it, of course. Very telling. The point is there's plenty of this, guys. Crutchfield-Jacobs disease being, being in this field, in this category the very category of prion disease, ALS, Alzheimer's, right? Okay, so what exactly are we talking about? If this is a lie and there's no evidence, 
How do you argue three studies or no evidence? And then you can point to the reality of the world, which shouldn't be proof. But it's very interestingly telling when you brain buster, mysterious, mystery brain illness baffles Canadian doctors. Gee, maybe it's that thing they just said is completely unfounded. Here's another one. Mystery neurological illness causing swift cognitive decline reportedly spreads in Canadian province. All these are perfectly aligned with the administration and the injection, but can't be because Reuters said fake news, right? New mystery brain disease baffling scientists. This one's May 2021. These are different times, guys. Must be a baffling problem. Well, not just the lies about what this thing can do, but the fact that right now in the real world, there is an overwhelming amount of evidence proving to you that there's something wrong. And all they can do is go, we don't know. Call it SIDS, call it SADS, call it MISC, call it whatever you want. As long as we put it in the category where we don't know what's happening and we ignore the injection's obvious overlap. Undertakers are run off their feet, Daily Mail reports, with abnormally high numbers of Australians dying. Guys, this is literally anywhere you look that had a high level of vaccination. And I mean, every single place. And it's not just because of COVID, they say. Undertakers being kept busy with more Australians dying than normal this year. Doctors not sure why more are dying than are concerned it mirrors the UK. Yeah, exactly does. Possible factor, guess what? People avoided going to the doctor. That is the only thing they've got. I mean, this is the absurd part about this. People are dying from unexplainable reasons. If they didn't go to the doctor, follow me along, guys, Daily Mail, they would know what the problem was, right? If you waited and an illness got worse, you'd go to the doctor and they'd say, this is the problem. Here's the illness. It's this problem. It's that problem. You've got it. But no, they go in or rather they die and they, they can't figure it out. That's why it goes into the SADS category. Because that the definition of sudden adult death syndrome or sudden infant death syndrome is unexplainable. That's their definition. It's a catch-all for unexplainable death. That's all it is. It's not a diagnosis. So if it's unexplainable, it's not an avoided going to the doctor for checkups. I mean, that's just the simplest bottom logic you could possibly have. They don't want to connect that dot. Undertakers are experiencing a rush of business with Australians dying. Business, that's disgusting. In abnormal, I guess undertakers, yeah, is abnormally high numbers in a worrying trend doctors can't explain. This is everywhere. Now, this guy, I'm actually blanking on his name all of a sudden. I was looking at him earlier. Rise Melbourne post this. Uh, I forget his name. In any case, this I like this guy because he started off with this, you know, really taking an objective stance, but kind of, you know, walking the narrative at first. And I've watched him evolve his opinion as the evidence is undeniable. And that's why I believe he's genuine because when he's confronted with evidence that challenge, he, he talks about it. And here he is discussing the excess death problem. Somebody who at once was, you know, kind of walking the, the narrative line. This says, my word, this is worse than we had predicted. EU has just recorded 53,000 excess deaths in just July. That's a massive 16% increase on the rolling five-year average, and the majority are non-COVID deaths. Clearly, something is terribly unfo- terrible is unfolding. I wonder what it could be. Now, I don't know for sure. I certainly have my opinions, and I think a lot of evidence backs it up. But what we can see beyond a shadow of a doubt is that they're not even allowing you to say, could it be the vaccine? Despite them admitting themselves, it has severe problems. Hello, warm welcome to today's talk. It's Sunday, the 18th of September. Now, we're looking at excess deaths today. This is a phenomenon all over the world at the moment. And what prompted me to do this is the European Union has just published data showing that deaths are 16% higher than we would expect. And the vast majority of these are not COVID deaths. So we've got a great increase 
in non-COVID deaths. So that's what we'll be looking at from the European Union. And we'll see that this is the case in many countries around the world. Now, the UK latest excess, uh, excess death data, updated on the 16th of September, data for the week ending the 2nd of September. 350 deaths involved COVID. That's, uh, it was 505 the week before, so that's continuing to go down, which is good news. Total number of deaths registered in the UK, just over 10,000, but 7.4% above the five-year average. More people are dying than we would expect. This, this equates to 706 excess deaths in the United Kingdom. And deaths involving COVID-19 account for 3.4% of all excess deaths. So we see there's a large number of excess deaths that cannot be attributed to COVID. What is causing these deaths? And uh, we're not really seeing that much discussion of this. That's why I'm very keen to keep this topic uh, in people's minds, because we really do need answers on this one. Now, this is excess mortality here. Now, I know, I know you won't be able to see this very well um, at all, but... Um, I'm going to blow it up for you, but it shows Mexico's worst. But the, the, these accumulative uh, excess deaths, of course, um, most of these are COVID. And if I just show you the order of uh, COVID uh, or total excess deaths, many of which are COVID, as we've said, is here. Mexico did very badly in the pandemic. Then the United States, Italy, Greece, Spain, United Kingdom, Ireland, Canada, Australia, New Zealand. So that's total excess deaths, uh, many of which are COVID. But if we look at the deaths that are current at the moment, most of these are not. The vast majority of these, as we've seen, are not COVID deaths. And here we see that figure that these figures here. Um, so, for example, the United States is on about 12 percent at the moment. But again, we'll look at these in a bit of a blow up so we can see them in order. Ireland, the United Kingdom, Australia, the United States, New Zealand, Canada, or with uh, excess deaths, although the Canadian data is a bit uh, non-existent, actually, on uh, our world in data, at least. So the European report, excess mortality hits 16 percent, highest value in 2022 so far. This is from Eurostat. All, all the For those in the chat, by the way, just because I believe it to be genuine does not mean that he's right about everything. Let's take a breath, right? The point is that this person, I believe, is going along with trusting certain data sources, which I believe is a dangerous thing to do today. But it does appear to me that he, I mean, the fact that he's talking about these things means he's at least open to challenging data, which I don't know how you could argue that's not genuine, even if he's still wrong and trust the wrong people. But it's just my opinion. Who knows? Maybe he's lying. Right? Who knows? It's always a possibility. But I think it's really interesting that this is everywhere and even people that were you know that are you know i don't know you could argue aren't completely aware of what's going on how are you want to look at this are aware that there's a problem here it's everywhere everywhere in the world that has high vaccination problems are having this excess problem that they're acting like they can't explain here's colleen pointing out well i was up all night my son connor called me at 3 a.m from the hospital he was there for chest pain i told him months back that if he ever has chest pain to go to the hospital because there are so many young people dropping dead well you know what he never believed my conspiracy theories, but he does now. He's had a pulmonary embolism, just like his dad. Now on blood thinners and praying they'll be okay. This is everywhere. Here's a nurse who is it, it, discussing the fact that she was dealing with all the children having myocarditis after the vaccination put out, and she was fired for talking about, or rather just challenging, why they weren't reporting them. Right, So this is a system that they're disregarding anyway, and there are people that are seeing a problem happen after vaccination they've admitted are possible, and yet they still aren't reporting them. This is my point. How can you admit it can cause myocarditis, whether one in a billion or one in 3,000? Either way, when somebody then says they got myocarditis after the vaccination, no matter what context, how prevalent, anywhere, they're called a conspiracy theorist. How do you rectify those two things except realizing that there's a coordinated effort to deceive 
Bittner. I came before you guys a year ago. I'm a nurse, or at least I was at Rady Children's in the cardiovascular intensive care unit until Nathan and his misinformation pandemic caused me to lose my job. I took care of those children who came in with myocarditis after the vaccine. And I talked to the doctors because I was a charge nurse saying, why aren't we reporting these to bears? Who is going to report these to bears? It was an unspoken thing that we were not allowed to talk about openly on the unit. I've worked for 13 years in this community, taking care of some of the sickest patients. The day before I was taken away from my position, I was actively giving compressions to a child, pushing Abby, pushing calcium into his veins to keep him alive. And we did, and he went home. And yet, I was ridiculed by those who are supposed to be my colleagues and my friends. I am the face of your misinformation campaign, Nathan. I am the one who lost my career in pediatric cardiovascular ICU care. I took care of children who had COVID. I never got COVID in the hospital. I tested twice a week. I wore my PPE because I loved my job. And I love this community. Thank you. That's so incredibly sad. You know, and here's the interesting part about what she's discussing there. And we've seen this everywhere you look, is that there was such a clear, I think, under something we haven't even gotten to the bottom of just yet. That for some reason, in the very beginning of all this, from a medical perspective, the idea of even reporting these things became taboo. How do you explain that? Reporting them to to the official CDC system became taboo and almost an unspoken thing. And even attacking people that said, why aren't we doing that? You have to really think about how crazy that is, because that is the only system. So at some point before this started, they were influenced to think that conspiracy theorists were going to misuse that. Therefore, it's fake news before we even start. This is a coordinated effort. There's no way to not see this, guys. And here is what Disclosed TV points out. Sky News reporting irregular heartbeat. Likely to be one of the reasons most people have exactly the thing these vaccines are causing. Deaths due to an irregular heartbeat are likely to be one of the reasons more people than usual have been dying this year, with the number well above average so far. Like apparently, so they're, they're more than willing to grasp and guess at things they can't prove, which is what this is. It says are likely to be. Oh, where's that lady? Shouldn't she call out how crazy that is? He, they said likely to be and, and maybe and may cause fake news. Apparently it only applies when they're being object. Like that's how ridiculous it is. But where was I right Pause my place. Here. <laughs> so, are likely to be one of the reasons. So, instead of looking at something they know can cause heart problems and going, could that be playing a factor? Which, by the way, is a no-brainer. 
if they know it can cause it, it 100% is a factor. It's really the debate about how much, but they won't even have that discussion. You can't even point out that it's a one in a billion that's causing. Nope, not fake news. But you just said it can cause it. But they're willing to guess. It could be heartbeats, regular heartbeats. It could be the winter. It could be the summer. It could be cold drinks. It could be hot drinks. It could be anything. Could be, sure. Except the one thing we know can do this. Yay. That seems makes sense, right? This is so disgusting. The effort that's been taken to think to grasp at anything anywhere that can undermine the real issue. Here's a video that somebody put out. Now, this is just a small compilation. There's been a lot of these, but they're everywhere. This is an effort to, to cast out on this no matter what. Well, it's only 30 seconds frozen the podcast. It's all that you've seen all these breathing too hard can cause you to have a heart attack. You know, this one was green or, you know, gardeners soil in, soil increases the risk of heart attack. It's every it's just crazy. Energy bill prices could cause heart attack. Sweating more than usual could cause heart attack. Snoring. Watching less TV, watching too much TV. Climate change. Researchers warn that cold weather. It says hot weather, silent killers, daylight savings time. My God, I mean, it goes on and on and on. It's embarrassing how silly this is. And I'm not saying those things might not play a factor, but it's willfully ignoring the most obvious, glaring part of this. Now, here's why, in a large part, doctors, scientists, media, anybody out there, this pertains specifically to doctors, but there's an effort to silence everybody. And they've done such a good job of, of showing you what will happen to you that a lot of people, I argue the majority, are just too scared to speak up. And here's what's happening in California already, which we've, you, we've already mentioned. But I just want to play this quick clip that shows you where this is going. And meanwhile, California lawmakers recently approving a bill to punish doctors who spread what they call false information about COVID vaccines and treatments. The legislation would not require sus suspension or revocation of a doctor's license, instead leaving it up to the state's medical board. Governor Gavin Newsom and his handsome hair has until the end of the month to sign this into law or to veto it. Uh, the legislation has raised concerns over freedom of speech. The big question, who determines truth and falsehood? Sorry, guys, I was muted. Don't I'll see the chat. I'm sorry. <laughs> now, interestingly, you might be su surprised to find that Fox News has a vaccine mandate. I find that interesting. Where they either have to test every day or take injections. That seems pretty interestingly counterintuitive and contradictory. But California approving it, Gavin Newsom, I think it's a no-brainer that he's going to sign this, is creating a situation where they get to decide what is and is not fake. And they're the ones that have already been caught spreading fake news about this. Peer-reviewed science, not listening to it, screaming trust the science while ignoring the reality. I mean, this is incredible. This is politics driving science, not the other way around, which is always the way that it's been. 
Well, here is another high school student dying during flag football practice. And of course, they're very shadowy about what happened. No one's talking about what the cause is. It's, it's exactly what you might think. I'm not saying I know for sure it's the injection, but it's yet another unexplainable collapse of a child that nobody wants to talk about. Now, on that note, don't forget, we literally just talked about this, where BBC suspends the live footage of the Queen's funeral because guards are collapsing in front of the, co- the coffin. We have the example of hundreds of people. In fact, it was 432 people collapsing while standing in the queue for the Queen's coffin. And some of them went to the hospital. I mean, out of the world, you pretend that makes any sense in any other context other than the COVID-19 mania. Well, on top of that, I thought it was interesting. I forgot to include this one's from before this, I believe. Here's an example of the of the now king, the king. Think about how that makes sense in democracy. Walking by one of these people who collapses right in front of him. Yeah, just normal. No big deal. Look the other way. Nothing to see here. I, I, I mean, really, how could anybody actually pretend like we're not watching the most obvious thing ever in history? I mean, it is painful. And by the way, just since we're talking about him, this is totally unrelated. I mean, you know, it's in its own way related. But I just found this to be ridiculous, guys. This is the king walking by people shaking hands. And you can take this for what you will. Maybe something flew over his head. But watch what he does when he comes up to the black person. I mean, we all know what it looks like to be brushed off, right? Watch the way he does this. Oh, right to the next guy. I mean, come on. It's just it's just so hilarious. These are the people pushing sustainability, equity, equality, and, you know, fighting for everyone to have the same gender. You know, it's, it's just so ridiculous that these are the people pretending to care about. This guy so very clearly did not want to shake that person's hand. I mean, watch. This person goes she, above his shoulder and then, oh, I'm going to kind of, oh, I'm done for a second. Oh, wait, no, I'll shake the next guy's hand. <laughs> Misses the one guy. <laughs> Of course, who knows? Maybe something else happened. I just think that it's just this guy, as he said, probably waited three days and three nights for that guy to be skipped. How embarrassing. Well, continuing on with the myocarditis conversation, this person posts underneath this, which is the point, but it's it's in response to the CDC posting a tweet that says, know what to do to keep yourself and your family safe during a natural disaster. That's weird, right? The CDC why would they be talking? Well, because they, there's an upcoming overlap here of disease and climate change and, you know, disease, natural disasters because of that, which is not even the reality of what we're looking at. Right. That's, I'm telling you, that's what this is. But he posts beneath this, know what to do and follow guidance and says and just post this tweet talking about stop the shots. And thank you for posting this. That's where I got the link from for this. Thank you, Roger. Here's the study he's posting. This is important. This is September 21st. Trust the science, right? You won't, if, you, if, if ever hear about this, it'll be six months from now. They never talk about this in the corporate media. Trust the science crowd seems to be pretty far behind in the science. Isn't that funny? Well, this is interesting because this is, it's, it's IL-1RA antibodies in myocarditis after SARS-CoV-2 vaccination. It says, we recently discovered neutralizing autoantibodies targeting the indigenous indigenous interleukin-1 receptor antagonist, or IL-1-RA, which inhibits interleukin-1 signaling and inflammation. Now, essentially what it's saying is they discovered neutralizing antibodies that target 
the protein that stops or reduces or inhibits inflammation, which is pretty interesting. Here is the what the interleukin-1 receptor antagonist is. It just simply says is a protein that in humans is encoded by the IL-1-RN gene. And it says is a natural inhibitor of the pro-inflammatory effect of IL-1B. So what they're saying is, and I'll get to it through the, the reading of this, that people that have gotten these injections are fine. Are, they're discovering neutralizing antibodies. They're neutralizing a protein that actually reduces inflammation. And that is leading to myocarditis. Pretty telling. This is peer reviewed science on the New England Journal of Medicine. It says in this study, we evaluated the prevalence of antibodies neutralizing the IL-1RA and prongolin, which inhibits tumor necrosis factor signaling. In 69 patients who had clinically suspected myocarditis after SARS-CoV-2 vaccination, a total of 61 patients underwent endomyocardial biopsy. Myocarditis was confirmed by biopsy in 40 of 61 patients. This is scathingly obvious, guys. Current evidence points toward a transient hyperphosphorylation of IL-1RA preceding a breakdown of peripheral immune, to immune tolerance. Now, the hyperphosphorylation is it's essentially when you look at it, it talks about oversaturation of this, uh, per, this uh, we're talking about the protein that essentially deals with the inflammation. I mean, I, I'm not this. That's my general understanding of reading what, what these things are. The point of what it's saying, though, is that this evidence points to how this is being uh, creating a problem with the IL-1RA, which itself is inhibiting inflammation, preceding a breakdown of peripheral immune tolerance. In contrast to our observations in patients with myocarditis after SARS-CoV-2 vaccination, IL-1RA was not hyperphosphorylated in any of the samples that had been obtained from control participants, meaning the logical conclusion is that the injection is causing the saturation, which causes them to the, the inhibi inhibition of the IL-1RA in stopping inflammation. Now it says, our study of SARS-CoV-2 vaccination associated myocarditis, just so you can see that's what they're focused on, in that study, neutralizing antibodies now, all that means is they neutralize something. And in case, that's usually what you talk about in neutralizing, let's say, the spike protein, right? In this case, they're neutralizing a protein that's stopping inflammation. It says the neutralizing antibodies against IL-1RA and a hyperphosphorylated IL-1RA insoform were observed in young male patients with biopsy-confirmed myocarditis after the receipt of SARS-CoV-2 mRNA vaccination. I mean, this is unequivocal. Now, you could argue that this is not leading to the problem they're pointing at, but no one wants to talk about this in the corporate media. These antibodies impaired IL-1RA bioactivity in vitro were associated with low circulating levels of IL-1RA. So not only are they, are they impairing them, but they're having leading to low circulation of them, which seems like a compounding problem. Remember, these are the things that are in, in some cases reducing specific inflammation. It says, and were found in patients with biomarker evidence of cardiac damage and inflammation. Now, yes, in some cases, this is pre-existing problems, whether it's covered or not. But what they're finding clearly is that this is a larger problem than people are discussing. And the fact that they're literally causing them to have antibodies that continue to reduce your or reduce the thing that reduces inflammation, therefore causing inflammation in a lot of ways. I don't know, MISC, in, in systemic inflammation, myocarditis, blood clot strokes, heart attack, everything. That's what this is leading to. Now, finally, after that small part about the gigantic peer-reviewed science that challenges their entire narrative, let's talk about the bivalent problem. 
That's the entire, this whole last part of it, hopefully not too long since I got to get going, very clearly discusses this problem. Uh, the exact same problem. Everything. Everything we've talked about. I mean, this is the same exact issue here. Now, I'm going to talk about two things. The issues that they still have and the fact that this thing shouldn't be allowed right now based on the definition of emergency use authorization. Just so it's clear, this is the fact sheet from the FDA talking about emergency use authorization. Bivalent, BA4 and 5, okay? Here is the next page that gets into, page 7, in fact, that gets into the same warnings. Let me get this real quick so I can highlight. Now what it's talking about is a few things, specifically myocarditis. Oh, also, I'll just include that they always point out that they need legally to have appropriate medical treatment used to manage immediate allergic reactions, and it must be immediately available, right? They don't have those things at the Waffle House and the parking lot and the bar and the Walgreens. Of course they don't. Not for all the actual things this is causing. So right there, they break the rules all the time. Like when that lady we talked about the other day died on the floor of the store she got the injection within that 15-minute period. Well, what did they do? She died. They had nothing they could do because they don't have equipment there to do anything about that kind of reaction, even though they know it's possible. That is a crime against humanity, my God. Myocarditis, as it's making clear, Post-marketing safety data with the other injections are relevant. I don't know why they assume that, but that's their assumption. What they're saying is post-marketing data authorized or approved monovalent injections demonstrate increased risk of myocarditis, particularly within the first week of following receipt. The point is, remember when this was fake news? Remember when we got shouted down for saying this in the beginning? Yeah, now they're at least admitting it, but they're still soft rolling it. But even though what they say in this right here shows you the same risk is applied to the next shot. So why are we still playing this game? It says for the Pfizer injection, the observed risk is higher among adolescent males under 40. It's a huge population. And it's, and again, collapsing athletes. We're seeing it everywhere. Although some cases required intensive care support available from short-term follow-up suggest most individuals had resolution, which is not the case since there is real no resolution for heart problems. Most of these have potentially upwards of 25 to 56% mortality increase over the next 10 years, according to the NIH. I've said it many times. The CDC has published considerations. Then it also says people pass out when they take this. Isn't that funny? Seeing as how when Tiffany Dover passed out right in the beginning, they went out of their way to cover it up and say, no, it wasn't that. She had this other problem. It was nothing to do with that. And now they go, oh yeah, it makes you pass out. (laughs) Everything is a psyop, guys. They lie about everything all the time. That's what we need to realize here. Now, the next part of this is that they're pushing the idea that you should get this while pregnant. Should you get a booster? Well, first, just the, the booster from before. Guess what they say? You probably already know how critical it is for pregnant women to get the booster. No, no, not at all. Leading experts say the vaccines are safe and effective for pregnant breastfeeding women. Well, starting with the old one, seeing as how that's where we're at, that's not true. They're talking about the booster, which still right this moment, as the most recently updated Pfizer data says, use in pregnant people and breastfeeding, the safety of the profile is not fully known in either pregnant or breastfeeding women. Okay, so how exactly are you able to lie and blatantly say that it's safe and effective? If you don't know that because they're lying because they're told that and they think that's the reality. And this is a fact check. This is what to this is informing the pregnant people. That's incredible. Well, by the way, before we go past it, it also says down here that use with other vaccines like the flu vaccine is not known. They don't know if it's safe and don't know if it'll affect safety or efficacy. They don't know. That's the reality. So going down to the next part where it says can pregnant women get the new booster, which is not a booster, The latest COVID injections 
BA4 and 5 focused, had to go through the same vetting process as the other vaccines. They actually just said that. Do you realize that that, I mean, they're admitting on the main channels that's not the reality. Yet the people that don't know any better will read this and go, oh, those conspiracy theorists. No, they're using old data from other things that don't apply other than the fact that they assume that it should translate. That's exactly what they're saying. But no, it's safe. They went through the same process. 30 years of investigation, apparently. Well, down here it says, if you are eligible, there's no bad time to get your booster. Apparently it's okay. The CDC didn't use specific language for pregnant women, but quote, nothing changes with the recommendations. So the quote, safety data for the booster is really based on our prior experience. Look, the right there it says that, even though they just said it right there, that's the opposite. But it says the benefits to pregnant women are significant. When should you go? Pregnant women should get their booster shots as soon as they're eligible. Okay, well, let's take this to the, the new injection discussion, right? Here's the new one. This is the same, this is the new thing from the Omicron bivalent injection. You know what it says? Same thing, guys. No data are available on the use of these bivalent during pregnancy. Why am I the only one talking about this? Now, I say, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that because I don't see anybody else talking about this. Now, if I'm wrong, send it to me. And I will happily promote the fact that somebody else is talking about this. This has been here the entire time. The data shows that they don't know. And everyone parrots it. It's okay. For flu injections, for other injections, for during pregnancy, all pregnancies have the risk. They go on to say, well, all of them have risks, therefore we don't know. Well, they don't know is the point. And it also says for lactation, data's not available. Pediatric use, emergency authorized. Down here, same thing, ger geriatric use for older people, same concept. So how in the world are we allowing this to go forward if they don't know, and yet they're going, go ahead and do it, because they said it's safe and effective. Their data says, no, we don't. We haven't studied that. Here's the next one. Should I get my Omicron booster and flu shot at the same time? Can you guess what they say? Is it okay to double up and receive both the seasonal flu vaccine and the new Omicron-specific COVID-19 booster? Well, though the CDC says it's completely fine to get a flu vaccine and COVID-19 shot simultaneously, well, see, that's the first point. Again, they say that even though they say here it's not safe or we don't know if it's safe. It might hurt you, might kill you, might do nothing. We don't know. But it's safe because we don't know, right? Apparently, that's what they want you to think. There hasn't been a specific guidance for the new one. Pharmacies like Walgreens and CVS, despite that, are already offering vaccine packages deals. So you don't know. CDC hasn't given guidance, but Walgreens is already selling you both of them alongside each other. This is an unspoken agreement that vaccines are safe no matter what, even though that's very clearly not true. How crazy is that? Quote, for the average person, probably having it a bit later would be better. Great. So just get it a little bit tapered. No, this is wild, guys. Here is the new update for the FDA document. There is no information on the co-administration of Pfizer injections and other vaccines. We don't know if it's safe, but do it anyway. Apparently is the going talking point. Here is the Pfizer paperwork that says it is emergency authorized. Just so that's clear. August 31st. Now I'm going to skip past most of this in the interest of time. But their point is they're simply pointing out that these are identical spike proteins. So, And this was the point about why I argue they're arguing that these things are the same. Well, they're arguing that apart from the addition of the new spike protein, they're exactly the same. But they're still adding the new spike protein, which is the problem. So now you're getting a new spike protein alongside with the original spike protein, which are all very dangerous. That's why Gert Vandenbosch argues this is going to be exponentially worse. But then it goes with today's approval. That's what it says. 
Another person, this professor, CEO, co-founder of BioNTech is going, the approval, which is not an approval, which literally says in the title, but whatever, facts don't matter when you're on the vaccine side, apparently. But it says, the, and then right in the next paragraph, it says the authorization of, <laughs> ridiculous. But the point is they're telling you, we're just taking old data from before and arguing that it makes sense. That's what they're arguing. But it's saying the original vaccine will be available as a booster. How does that make sense? Why would you still give the booster to people when you're telling them it doesn't make sense anymore, which is why you need the new injection? This, none of this is even scientific. Submissions to pursue regulatory approvals in those countries where emergency use authorizations are equivalent were initially granted and planned. Here's what it says. The FDA authorized emergency authorization for the under 12. No, that's not the point. I'm skipping past this because I'm in the interest of time. But I want us to see... The emergency use authorization vaccines have not been approved or licensed by the FDA, but have been authorized by the FDA under an emergency use authorization. It says the emergency uses are only are only authorized for the duration of the declaration that circumstances exist justifying the authorization of emergency use of the medical product. Right. That's the main point here. And it also includes myocarditis in here saying the chances of occurring are very low. Not true. The data shows that's not true. Also note how much the normal side effects have increased, even though it's not even remotely all of them. But note what they include now. All sorts of fainting, even though that was fake news in the beginning. All sorts of extra stuff, including myocarditis. But to get to the point, here is what the FDA's page says about the emergency use authorizations. Get ready. Under Section 564, the Cosmetic Act, when the HHS declares an emergency use authorization is appropriate, the FDA may authorize unapproved medical products or unapproved uses of approved medical products to be used in emergencies to diagnose, treat, or prevent serious or life-threatening diseases or conditions caused by CBRN that agents with when certain criteria are met. What do you think those are? So they, they can emergency authorize as long as these conditions are met, including there are no adequate alternatives or adequate approved and available alternatives. That's just one of the points, guys. I've, I've gone through this in depth before. You know that's the case because they've told you they've approved community. They've told you they've approved spike backs, even though they have not given them out. And they also have the approved Paxlovid, which is an alternative. That's all their stuff. So right here, they're admitting that they've already violated the justifying, the, the primary points they make about why. The criteria they have to meet. And none of those things are met. And yet they still emergency authorize. They still emergency authorize the first ones. They emergency authorize this one. They're, emer they're still claiming we're in an emergency. None of these things apply. That is how off the rails this has become. Here's a quick little video showing you that even though all of this is the reality, that they are still pushing this on the most vulnerable and focusing on people that have already said no numerous times here. This one scares me because they are pushing this aggressively no matter what to end the covid19 pandemic isn't over until those most at risk are reached every country can offer protection and every corner of the globe is covered in just one year vaccinations have saved over 20 million lives and reduced deaths by more than 60 percent i mean how could you even know that i said this last time there's no way you no metric you can use to prove that they translate it to saving people, especially when you ignore basically all the side effects. But this is not enough. Many countries still lag far behind the finish line and are overwhelmed with balancing other serious healthcare demands. Through the COVID-19 vaccine delivery partnership, UNICEF, the World Health Organization, and Gavi are joining forces with countries, communities, and essential partners to remove as many barriers as possible. 
Right. So you've said no 40,000 times so far. So what they're saying is we're going to pressure the people that have said no, the ones that have decided they don't want boosters, and we're going to go door to door and force this on people. That's what they're saying right here. This is so damn aggressive. It's, it's, it's painful to watch. Everybody's made choices now, and yet they're just going forward at a time when they're no longer an emergency, that we're past the pandemic phase, that's less than the flu. I mean, everything. But we're going to force it still? This is very alarming. And ensure our most at risk can get protected. Right, the ones that are hurting the most. To reach those whose lives are still on the line. Our grandparents, our immunocompromised, our community and healthcare workers, those who are sick or fleeing for their lives. To do this, we need to equip more mobile units, run more door-to-door campaigns, and mobilize more community leaders to help turn vaccines into vaccinations. Now is our moment. Because the race to end the COVID-19 pandemic isn't over wow. until the final mile is covered, primary health care is strengthened, and those most at risk are reached. And we cross the finish line together. Huh. My God. I mean, again, you know, the, the way that they frame this is as if they're no question that forcing these things for good reasons is altruistic. Right. Because they're just too stupid to know this is in their best interest. It's so invasive and forced and door to door. Everybody has that an opportunity. Everyone's aware of what they think is happening. So it's just about them trying to influence people that have already made their minds up. As I've said from the beginning, no was never an option. Even though many of us have held on, they've never wanted that to be a possibility. Now, I recommend you watch my recent interview with Denny Rancourt because that's one of the most primary points he makes entitled Data Proves COVID-19 is Actually an Illusion. Now, it doesn't have to mean incomplete. An illusion just means the perception is wrong. I believe quite clearly the data proves this was a whole cloth manufacture, flu, pneumonia, and so on. PCR test lies, vaccine and problems later called COVID. But the point he makes in this is that the most vulnerable were abused, focused, cattle rallied, or, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Corralled together in nursing homes. And that was what created the problem, possibly knowingly. And that's what they're doing. They're focusing on the most vulnerable. Here is exactly that point. Bernie's tweets points out Canada and Toronto, they deleted their tweet after a video caused public outrage. But of course, they've captured it so they can't hide from it anymore. But this is a wild propaganda video that's meant to influence children. Their nudge unit on full scale maneuvers to terrify children. Never forget what your government is doing in the name of safety. This is disgusting, guys. This video, that's why they deleted it. Can you go outside and play with my friends? No, honey. There's still something going around. Okay. Now ask yourself who that's directed at. The parents? I mean, maybe. But at the end of the day, that is so... I mean, that these are the people that need it less than anybody. I mean, I take that back. Nobody needs this. Literally nobody. I've, made, I've, I've taken that stance for at least a couple months now. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, the data backs that up. Now, whether you think there is some clinical benefit in the moment in regard to whatever you think is there, the ongoing problems, the dis, dis, lymphocytopenia, the dysregulation of your immune system, the collapse of your immune system, the problems that they cause, the ongoing side effects, the increase of everything else around, all of that wildly outweighs it. We're talking benefits outweigh the risk. It's the exact opposite of that. That's the point. And all they can do is go, children, 
you know, why are they so focused on children? Because there's an agenda around this, guys, everywhere. Now, here's an example from China to show you it's not just in this country, but this is these are quarantine camps in China. There is, and this is why I believe, and I know I actually know that Denny has a different opinion of this, but I believe very clearly there's coordination across these governments to order to drive us into one direction. Now, I could be wrong on that. It could be one group over the other. But look at what's happening around the world. This is the reality, and it's based on a lie, a provable, provable lie. Now, Alex Bernison points out, and this is why I know people are seeing it, that Moderna is down 70% in the last year, which means it's now overvalued by almost $50 billion. Demand for mRNA shots is now zero. Even the Biden administration is going to have to stop ordering them once the bivalent gravy train, I mean, contract, he says, is done. He says, uh, Stefan Bonsall, Moderna's CEO, hasn't exactly been a wise steward of the windfall his company lucked into. While Pfizer used its billions to, to hoover up uh, biotech companies, Moderna is sponsoring tennis and buying back stock. It has far less cash in the bank than I expected. He says, saying this for Pfizer and CEO, Alberto Borla, the world's favorite veterinarian knows how to milk a cash cow and how to gently put it down when the productive days are over. Goodbye, community. Hello, Paxlovid. People are not buying it, guys. Now I'm going to skip past this, but the general point here is the five symptoms, the vaccination, like they're focusing on the fact that people who are vaccinated are still getting COVID, which is ridiculous, but saying that, you know, here are the things you might have. And they list off like every possible normal side effect of anything, sniffles and sneezing and headaches. And so guess what? Hurry up and get tested for the flu season, because guess what? They're predicting for the third time that it didn't happen the last two times, a twin demic that we're all going to die from because flu. And guess what they're going to create? Another case demic where more people are testing using false PCR tests that are going to grind you to do it. The point, though, it says at the bottom, we urge all who are contacted to come forward and accept their booster when called for their jab says the NHS. Wow, that is scary. When called on, when contacted, come forward to get your booster when you're asked. That's the reality. Now, I'm going to finish with a quick video that's going to get into something we're going to talk about next, which is that this is happening, this technocratic push, right now in this country. It is this, in this, and this video is entitled, No, This Isn't China. It's coming your way, guys. All of it. Thank you for being here as always, and questioning what you're seeing, guys. More reason than ever to question what we are being confronted with. The information is overwhelming today. So thank you for being here and continuing to question and continuing to spread the information to people that need to hear it. I love you all, as always. Question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Thousands of new cameras will take aim at subway riders in the latest push to boost safety. It's high-tech security that will capture clear images of it all. The good, the bad, and the ugly on New York City's lifeline, the subway. Do you think Big Brother's watching you on the subways? You're absolutely right. Yesterday, Governor Kathy Hochul and the chairman of the MTA inspected the first security cameras being installed on the fleet. Eventually, every single subway car, more than 6,400, will have two cameras. Do you think Big Brother's watching you on the subways? You're absolutely right.